Give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. Let's have a good time. What you waiting for? You only got one life. And we gonna live it up. So give me the green light. Cause I'm ready to go. Hello everyone, uh, welcome to this very special Bono episode of the uh, Pro Free Podcast. We are going to talk about WrestleMania in exchange for our usual um, fair of Japanese wrestling today because we are not just Japanese wrestling fans, we are wrestling fans in general and let's face it, WrestleMania is the biggest weekend, um, like it or not, whatever your opinion on it, of the wrestling calendar. And we all, I think, have like sort of different experiences of WrestleMania this year. It tends to be a bit of an event that you... Um, get people together for that kind of thing so yeah maybe we can start with my compadres who are here as always david and george um telling us a little bit about how they spent their mania weekend well actually george can george can go first he can tell us about how he spent his weekend and then i'll um compare and contrast i, I feel there may be lots of comparing and contrasting to do so <laughs> I, I think there might yes yeah, so i had a weekend of um many variable experiences so um saturday night bit of a wild one went to leeds town hall with a couple of mates to see the orchestra of up and north <laughs> now um also like we bought the shit like six pound student ticket seats so like we were right behind the trombones it's known as the celtic park away view <laughs> I was gonna say, is this something of like when you get a ticket at a football match? You're like, uh, restricted view, the, the mantra of Park Heads. Yeah, restricted view, but it's but it's five pound off. So. Yeah, isn't it? Like, I mean, David, I know you love your black metal, but like, there were a few musical experiences as intent as being right behind the trombones for a performance of Richard Strauss's <laughs> Alpine Symphony. No, legit, Strauss is a fucking straight freak. Like, some of his stuff bonkers. Like, that must have been actually kind of Yeah, cool. I mean, he yeah. gave us Alzo's Brack and Zarathustra, which is called really famous for being the walk-on music of Bob Sapp, and also Ric Flair as well. But, like, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to say it was famous for being the intro of 2001, and you were like, nah, Bob Sapp. <laughs> Mate, 2001 is just one year, but it is always Sapp time. Did you remember to turn your clocks back from beast time to sap time? <laughs> I, I did, after your reminder. Thank you for that 2am uh, text. So, that was Saturday, and uh, Sunday was more... Well, Sunday, a lot of it was spent, like, tidying the flat up, because uh, Sarah, my partner, and I were um, actually having um, people round, uh, basically fellow members of uh, the collective known as I Maintain the Double Foot Stomp is Silly, and whichever hangers-on they... Um, wanted to bring with so we had about eight in the flat we had uh people come from manchester our mate pete came up from uh from london we got thai takeaway um bought in like two of those gigantic fuck off 14 inch pizzas from sainsbury and yeah chatted some shit watched uh watched uh robot wars at uh oh. 7 p.m which yeah, is we'll, like we'll, we'll get, get to that. that but um it's um first time i ever actually had a viewing party for wrestlemania you know, didn't know quite what uh, what the etiquette was with regard to, like, how quiet can we be because we live in a block of flats. And there was one moment yeah, in, like, sort of about the middle of the show where uh, Pete very nearly got us evicted by shouting at the top of his voice at about 3am, which, because it's WrestleMania, it was roughly halfway through the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah As the pre-show enters its fifth right, torturous yeah, I hour. I just want to make this, because I don't know how, how oh abundantly like known it is. I know that like American people know that we have to like stay up late, late at night, 
It's fucking late at night. I went to bed and the sun has started to rise. Oh, God. Like, the birds were singing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see yeah. daylight. It, I went to bed year. at quarter to Every six year. in the morning. Yeah. Quarter to six in the morning. Yeah. And, like, yeah. that was it. Without watching the pre-show. Because the pre-show starts at 10pm and finished the whole show finished at quarter to six. Yeah. It, it was fucking ridiculous. I mean, to be fair, I finished at, like, quarter to one. Uh, quarter to five. Quarter That's past crazy. five. But, yeah. I'm like, you know that way? Do you ever get this after WrestleMania where... You know you should go to bed, but you don't. Cause you're so tired. I remember that's yeah. how I found out with the game yeah. show Defectors, because it was on Challenge at twenty five <laughs> past five in the morning, and it was after. I think it was. I thought it was our first WrestleMania, and we decided, you know what? Well, it was a good WrestleMania. Undertaker beating Edge. We thought, you know what? We'll um, uh, we'll we'll mm. turn over to Challenge because that's our go to channel, and Defectors is on, which is a weird Soviet style game show where all the all the people vote on who's going to get the right answers and the defect and it's quite weird i love that your your go-to channel is the same as my death nanas like that's, that, that, that's amazing like she just sits in the house all day like in the same chair just like watching like challenge with it like with like the volume like super loud i'm sure that's an experience shared by a lot of grandchildren across britain have i ever told you at the time i met the programming editor of challenge tv no. I, when I used no. to work at Sky, obviously Challenge is owned by Sky TV, and they had the programming editor for all the Sky channels, mm. like Sky One, the Sky Atlantic, Challenge, all those. And yeah. No, you have and, told me this. Like, this is great. It yeah, was, uh, everybody yeah. in the in the office got to go and meet them and ask questions about it. Funnily enough, it was the day after Impact had lost their license with Spike. And they, they put up as uh, their banner for challenge was Impact Wrestling, and a guy at the back went, "Mate, it's fucked." <laughs> they just got dropped by Spike <laughs> on ICW instead. <laughs> yeah, that was basically my weekend. Um, David, how did you how did you spend your Saturday night while I was watching the Orchestra of Open All? Well, I watched the band Autopsy. <laughs> Autopsy is that some sort of beat combo? Yeah, I went to a, an eleven-hour metal festival. And it was fucking... Fucking hell. I'm getting old. I I was there for half twelve, the first band. And by the end, I wanted to go home. My feet were sore. Like, they were so sore. However, it was also the biggest day in the combat sports calendar because Chris Doolan got his 100th goal for Partick Thistle. (laughs) And his 101st. April Doolan's Day, as it is now known. (laughs) But, um, yeah. Well, to be honest, this is still my WrestleMania weekend. I haven't been back to work. I took the week off. The fifth and yeah. the sixth in my old work, they were the busiest day of the year because the start of a new financial tax year. And I was like, fuck that. I'm not working those days. I took them off. And then I just trans- rolled the days over to my new work and then get today off as my rotated day off. So I've not been back to work, but I've, I've had a really eventful week. I went I actually, I went to uh, went to Celtic Park to see Fistle play Celtic and they avoided defeat for the first time in 25 years. And I went for a pish when they scored the goal. Honestly, <laughs> I, I went away. I went away from the and I was like, oh, he's down injured. Nothing will happen. I went away and I just heard them all singing, we score when we want. I was like, someone scored. And it was the guy who has consistently been the worst fucking player for Fistle all year. He has a terrible finish. So striker and he scored that one goal all season because he skies it over the bar every game. And then against Celtic, he comes and he finally comes good and gets like his second goal of the season. And everyone was shouting that Adi Aziz is a fucking goal machine. Which I thought was, was hilarious. But um, yeah, I've I've had a great weekend. Football is fucking amazing. It's like when Barry Holmes exactly, got his yeah. first win. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, legit. Yeah, the thing is, like, I, I had to go back to work on the Tuesday and 
Well, I, I won't say what I do for a living exactly in case anyone from my work just ends up listening to this and it's just jokes about the bar. <laughs> but um, su- suffice it to say, I work in admin and we do stuff to do with... Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. G- George George actually works for the RUC. <laughs> Secret squirrel. But um, so I do document checks for like getting stuff cleared and there's one particular approval that we need to get and it's called a, a green light <laughs> approval. And now it's ah. it's often the last thing that comes through before we can get stuff cleared. We we did have someone literally on Tuesday asking someone on his team to give him the green light because he was ready to go. And as if I didn't have that Amazing. fucking song in my head because they played it about 75,000 times in the lead up to Mania, during Mania, and quite a lot of the time after Mania as well. Like, I that did it not today, help my, under my own volition. I actually played it today. <laughs> Can we all agree, right? <laughs> whether it's Stockholm Syndrome or something like that, right? Yeah. It's a fucking banger. <laughs> I mean, like, questionable <laughs> lyrics aside. Oh, mate, mate, mate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a big tune. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Like, it's 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 one of those tunes that, like, um... Okay, so, like, like I, I as you guys know, um, I like a lot of, like, really shitty pop music, basically. Like, I... I, I, it's weird because like I make experimental like up weird avant-garde music or whatever, but like I, I listen Mate, to a lot. Mate, I went of, like, to the Eurovision like, Song Contest like, uh, last year. <laughs> exactly, exactly. See, this is this is this is what this is one of the many reasons why me, why me and David are mates, right? Like, um, but like, yeah, that tune, like, it, it's such a fucking earworm, like it's horrendous. And like, just as a way to kind of, I guess, segue into like um, my like menu weekend, I I kind of made the the huge error. Which I've managed to not do from the last like few years, which is um, again um, along with my, my my love of pop music. Another thing which is probably quite obvious, but everyone knows about me is that I, I like a drink. And uh, I kind of went out the night before just to go and visit my mate, and we were just gonna like watch a few films and just hang out. But like there was booze being had, and like I'm I've got no discipline. Like I've I've got no like uh, you know like if something's in front of me, I'll, I'll just do it. Like um, and so there was lots of beers being had, and I kind of thought I was like you know that thing where. You have a few drinks and you think, oh, no, I'm all right. I'll be fine tomorrow. Like, I didn't overdo it by my standards. But I woke up the next day and just had the fucking worst hangover. Like, I felt like shit. And I felt really bad because um, uh, my friend Gary, the mysterious Gary, who's been mentioned on this podcast many times, uh, we always watch Mania together. We only missed it last year through uh, um, like a kind of um, uh, a bit of a like fuck up, um, um, basically. But we always watch Mania together. And he was coming over all the way from Belfast where he lives to hang out with me. And I don't see him often. He's one of my best friends. I'm like, you know that thing where you feel kind of guilty because you know you're not going to be at your best? Well, he came over for the NXT show the night before as well, right? So we were sat watching that. And like, I just felt like, you know, I, I deliberately kind of didn't go go hard at it that night because I thought, well, I need to be up for it the next day. Um, but yeah, Gary came over. Um, and it's kind of a weird thing where, you, you know, when you've got one of those like, me and Gary tried to watch Mania with, like, other people once. I'm like, I think I'd be, like, totally cool watching it with, like, you guys or other people that are really into wrestling. Like, me and my wife watched WrestleMania together. And we had, like, you know, um, kind of what we the idea of maybe going out to watch it or, like, kind of having people over. And we both realised that yeah. we actually just kind of, like, it's just kind of, we always get, like, food in. And uh, we always, like, you know, get covers to the couch yeah. and all that. And we just, like, lie. She always falls asleep. It's like a ritual, isn't it? Like, you have a, a mania exactly, ritual every yeah. year. It's like a football match. Like yeah. Before I watch the football, I always get, like, 
uh, a brew on and have like a couple yeah. of tins up in the second half and like you know like have my food ready and that uh, yeah. every Saturday. I mean, like, my wife things. isn't that too fussed about wrestling. Like yeah. she'll watch it and she knows she has a rudimentary knowledge. Like she she could probably do all right, you know, in terms of like a quiz, you know, a generic quiz if you get me. But like she the only thing she only knows stuff because of me. Um, like very some very weird things as well. Just various various things that I've told her in the past, like. But um, yeah, like, but she always makes the effort for mm-hmm. WrestleMania, and she always, we always take the day off after work, after to you know, kind of, so we don't have to go to work. Cause I have worked yeah. at eight AM after WrestleMania once. It's, oh, it's, it's the worst. Torture. Well, th- th- this was what I was I was I was gonna sort of say next to kind of like just um, I guess like um, to, uh, I guess like uh, bookend my my, my mania experience is that I um I, I took the next two days off just because I I knew I knew how rough it was gonna be. Yeah, I, I've got nothing but respect for like every single person. My mate is a fucking nurse, right? And like, and and let's give a shout out on this show, by the way, to nurses yes. in general because they're fucking amazing. Um, but like, um, she literally had to go into work oh, the next day after she'd watched Mania, and like, I don't even think she had any sleep, and she was like literally <laughs> saving lives the next day. So like, shout out to my mate Erin, like, uh, you're fucking awesome. <laughs> like, that's amazing because I cannot do it. I had to book, I had to book the time off. But no, like, um. The Mania experience was was great. Um, the only thing that I would say that was difficult, and this will perhaps be a segue into us talking about Mania, was I feel that in general, um, these huge, oh enormous, long spectacle shows are increasingly yeah. difficult for me to handle. Now, partially, this is a result of me being a massive waste man, um, <laughs> and the fact that like if if I'm around other people. Um, I get like I, I like being around other people, but I have like a lot of anxiety issues, and uh, it kind of manifests itself in social anxiety, which sometimes means that I, I kind of have to oil myself to to, to um like for example, like uh, George came to see me recently, and like we had a lovely time, like hung out, it was really cool, but like I I I kind of like uh, I George, George isn't a big drinker, I was drinking all day, and it's not because like I don't like George, I love George, it's just that like um sometimes I have to like um get myself in the zone to be able to socialize, and, and that's like kind of an unhealthy way in which I do it. Um, so yeah, it's it's kind of a really awkward um a really awkward thing for me because um if I'm watching it on my own it's fine because I can just like be totally sober and it's totally chill. Um but like when I've got company with me, even if it's my best friends in the world, I sometimes just need that little push to to to, to be in the zone. Uh, or to be like, you know, um, I guess the most talkative person I can be or whatever. And I um as I say try to keep it keep it, you know, a, relatively you know um uh kind of like sober but it, it didn't really work because there's a lot of this mania that i'll be honest um i know that opinions from what i can see i don't really like involve myself in like the wider iwc quotation marks these days a lot because i find a lot of it to just be full of like total bellends to be honest right. yeah right. but um i know this was kind of like i would say a generally generally the opinion was that this was like a, a thumbs up mania if it had maybe quite a lot of um, stuff that people didn't like as well. It was kind of a weird thing, like a show of two halves. Um, and yeah, like uh, it was really tough for me, I'll be honest, because like um, I, by the end of it, like I had to, I had to rewatch three matches the next day because I just, I, I, I was tired by that point. I had to go to bed. Uh, so, I yeah. was going to I was going to rewatch it again for this, but I realised I didn't really want to spend <laughs> seven and a half hours yeah. of my life. Yeah. watching it yeah. like yeah no i watched the pre-show on like thursday like, because i i could not like my my wife my wife famously every year during wrestlemania she'll fall asleep 
<laughs> even like back to like 24 when it was kind of unmanageable you know it was only the four hours yeah, yeah. it was manageable yeah. or even if less than that she always fell asleep and the running joke we had was that she'd always wake up during the streak because I would scream <laughs> at the television no <laughs> as someone was getting a near fall yeah, on the undertaker yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like so she and she's really like you know anything after like 12 o'clock she's usually wants to go to bed and to be fair usually so am I but I had to like stay up for a good couple of days till like one two o'clock like we actually we were getting our house renovated that weekend so we had to clear our entire living room of everything oh, man you're so adult the, the, two days before <laughs> I know at half three in the morning to be fair our renovate our, our cleaning the house basically consisted of both going this is pish and formulating a suicide pact for like an hour and a half yeah so like luckily that took us till like half three in the morning to clear everything out of our house for the next morning so and we had to pull up the carpets and the underlay and all of that yeah so i kind of felt that because they had that and they had nxt and um wrestle i felt i was kind of all right for wrestlemania because they've been up for the past couple of days and i'd been working really late at night as well for the week before so i was up late at night as well then mm-hmm. so I felt that I was better than you know some some week <laughs> sometimes I'm watching Mania, but it, it's just I don't think I don't think people like outside of the UK can really no. comprehend how much of a fucking struggle it is. Yeah, this is this, this is a big undertaking for like um for for us in the UK because as David just mentioned, we have to book time off work if we don't want to be fucking hanging the next day. Like um we we have to do a lot of stuff. But I, I even did a tactical nap. Like, I'm only 31, but I took a fucking nap, right, during the yeah, day. Yeah, I Because I was like, I that. need to be able to make sure I can I can hack this. Because, like, my general body clock is that, like, I, I, I don't always have to get up early for work. But, like, because of years of working from 9 to 5, I still have that body clock sometimes where I wake up kind of mm. early. Um, And, yeah, I was just fucking... My, my friend did that. My friend did that and missed the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> I had for a tactical nap and just slept through the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He woke up the next morning and I was just like, yeah. oh, fuck. It's, it's... Like, his, his wife went through it up. He's like, I'll go for a nap as well and just woke up at, like, seven in the morning. Yeah. Just as Roman Reigns is these... <laughs> beating the Undertaker. These, these, these are the things that can happen when you're a UK wrestling fan. Um, but, yeah, let's... Saying that, on. one thing I wanted to say, see when we were kids, because you used to be in Channel 4, yeah. like... And they used to tape delay it by an hour mm. after the whole May Young incident in the Royal Rumble. Yeah. I used to be able to watch them up until at half five, oh, six easy, in the morning. easy, And then get up seven in the morning, go to school, yeah. no problem. Get up in the morning, go but to school, now, double maths, first thing, piece of piss. Like, it was, yeah. Exactly. I was, in, piece I was of invincible then. I was, uh, I was young and beautiful and fucking, you know, I was, I was in it. Right, right, yeah. Not, Weren't not, we all? Not so much now that I'm, I'm, I'm the haggard mess that you see before you. But, um, yeah. Okay, so that, that was like uh, a little insight into our, uh, our Mania weekend, but um, guys, should we should we start talking about these um, these matches and uh, and this event? So um, where should we start? Um, well, I think we'll briefly go on the pre-show. I should add as a caveat, like as David yeah. was saying, um, you know, it's a seven-hour show, and you know he was going to watch it again, but like ain't nobody got time for that. I mean, I was exactly the same, like because we have people over, and because I wanted to be in the moment and enjoy the show, I I wasn't like I didn't have my head in like a notepad taking notes, and fuck me, was I not going to watch it a second time? But I mean, it's it's close enough to the fact that, like, we will be able to recall um, stuff with our minds. So, like, don't anyone worry about that. I think very briefly we'll go over the pre-show and maybe pay about the same amount of attention to it as WWE did. Um, so we'll just we'll just start with um, uh, opener, which I believe was a cruiserweight championship, um, Neville versus uh, Austin Aries. What do we think of that? Um, I mean, I'll I'll go first. Um, I love this match. Um. 
I am a huge, huge fan of Neville, and it's not just because I'm half Geordie and I live in Newcastle. Um, it's because I genuinely <laughs> think that um, over the last six months, maybe, maybe a bit longer, I think Neville's developed into an all-round fantastic wrestler. Yeah. And when I say that, yes. I, I mean, like, Neville was a guy that, like, I always rooted for him because he's from Newcastle. You know, he, he's got bags of talent, like, you know, ridiculously athletic. Oh, yeah. Just, like, um, a guy that can do things in the ring that genuinely I, I've not seen before. And that's the kind of thing that can really sort of excite me, even if, like, that flippy style he used to work isn't the style that I always love. I'm always about, like, seeing stuff I've not seen before. And Neville can do that. Mm. He can do things with his body that, like, I've never even seen wrestlers do. So that's great. Um, but what's really cemented him, in my eyes, everyone that listens to this podcast, you guys will know, I love a fucking old-school dynamic to a wrestler, right? And this guy has it now in spades. He's developed into a guy that they wouldn't give a microphone to because of their fucking stupid bullshit prejudice against regional accents that people can't understand, by the way. So Radio, radio Ford <laughs> all over again. <laughs> and here's, here's the thing, right? For anyone that thinks a guy can't cut a promo just because he's from the northeast of England, fuck you. Fuck you. This guy can cut a great promo. To be fair, I've always been under the impression that if you have a sort of accent like that or a Scottish accent, it actually enhances your promos. I, I especially agree. if you're a heel. I agree. Because it's a more of an aggressive intonation yeah. and you, you feel that there's more passion and you yeah. know, fire in that sort of... Yeah. It's just because you can't understand it. I mean, how many people watch a fucking Japanese promos or Witcher promos? Exactly. And can you get caught up in it so if they don't know what they're talking about? Exactly. How the fuck's any difference with like, a draw? Yeah, exactly. Or... Like, it's like a standard comedy, like Northern and Celtic accents. Do tend to enhance it. Is Rod Gilbert what is what he says funny? Of course it isn't, but he's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's, it's, it's so true. And it's, even though he's modified it a little bit, and there are some criticisms that I've got that, you know, he does kind of have a rote promo that he goes to now um, where everything is enunciated like this, like he's a character <laughs> in Game of Thrones, which is basically his entire character now. W- whatever. Like, he's still... De- that guy has gone from not being able to cut a promo at all. He used to cut some bogging promos in, like, Dragon Gate USA and shit like that that I used to see. Nasty shit, right? He can now cut a good promo. And more, even above and beyond that, he's done a thing which I love when wrestlers turn heel, right? If you turn heel, Seth Rollins, looking at you, you change your fucking moveset, okay? You change your moveset because you are not about pleasing oh, the yeah. fans anymore. You're not about putting on the fucking Dolph Ziggler bullshit. Best match of the night and entertaining people. You're a wrestler who wants to win matches, right? You want to win titles. And that's what Neville's done. He's got a fucking three-tier finisher set, which is totally King's Road or Japan, by the way, just to bring it back to, like, our, our usual fare. Um, and the guy is having great matches with everyone now the problem is they aren't necessarily being promoted the best because the cruiserweight division is uh, kind of not really coming across i think as well on raw as it sometimes can on 205 live um but i I love him so yeah in short i thought this match was brilliant it was hard hitting as fuck uh they gave them plenty of time to work uh they were able to build some great um kind of um, stuff in there the bit at the end when neville was grabbing the eyes on, on on the submission that's pro wrestling to me. That's what I love. And it reminded me, um, in a kind of inverse way, of when um, uh, Sasha Banks was doing the, uh, the foot stomp on, on, on Bailey when she had um, on, on the submission a few years ago at the NXT show. Um, I love little touches like that. I thought this was a wonderful match. And I thought that if this had been uh, the main event of like an indie show, it would have torn the fucking roof off the place. I thought it was great storytelling. And yeah, it was everything I like in wrestling. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree um, with this. Um, now, I, I do have a bit of a problem. And it is really sad that I feel this way now because the purple rope stigma, there is a stigma attached to uh-huh. it. And I do automatically tune out. Yeah. I, I, whenever I 100%. see Cruiserweight, I just tune out yep. now. But it, 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 Neville, since he's came into the Cruiserweights and he's become like, you know, the champion, things like that, I think he's been excellent yep. in the role. I really like the, I really like the idea that he he knows that people want to see him do the flippy moves and he doesn't do them specifically I love it. because he's a heel he's an arsehole and he knows it yeah. and like I mean looking at Neville and especially on like his promos the, the, have, you, have you ever um, heard him on Colt Cabana's podcast? Yes actually yeah I've got it's, yeah. it's really it's really stunning mm. seeing him the same guy who was, uh, you know, who was opening up on Cabana's podcast about his anxiety, but not being able to, you know, not being able to live up to his potential, something going wrong, you know, him having a bad match. He was like crippled by this yeah. and he would not take opportunities. Yeah. So people would like send him, you know, send him booking offers and he's just going, nah, it's yeah. all right. I don't want to do it yeah. because he was too anxious about the idea that he was going to fuck up yeah. if he took too many of them. And if he had a bad match there, you know, they would never invite him back and that's a failure. Mm-hmm. He was really scared of the concept of failure. Yeah. And to see him now in this sort of match, doing this sort of character, and being able to do those promos that he does, it's an absolute revelation. Yeah, it's a and, joy. Like, I, I hope he reigns as a Cruiserweight champion for a long, long time because had ma- this match and his match against Gallagher oh, um, from Fastlane, oh, the two best matches the Cruiserweights have had since the CWC, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. I really feel that he's helping turn around that stigma I have because 205 Live, I, don't, I, I guess you probably don't watch it, but for a while, it's just it was just wrestling. It's good wrestling, but I get good wrestling everywhere now <laughs> it's not you know yeah. that's the very minimum you expect yeah. you can't just have good wrestling and coasting yeah. it and I feel that Neville is kind of turning that around and making it a program that I actually want to watch Definitely. and I actually want to see him and this this match I, I'm really glad it was in a pre-show I know that sounds weird no I am if they've been on the no, main show they get five minutes yeah. and people and they, they get the same amount of money now it's still you know like yeah. the pay-per-view payoffs are completely yeah. different Makes no difference monetarily whether or not you're in the kickoff or on the, the actual show. I would rather be in the kickoff. Yeah. They got about 15, 20 minutes here, didn't they? They yeah. got a long time. Yeah, they, they, and, and, they, and they managed to be able to build, because of that time, a patient, interesting match. Like, and, you know, it, uh, and here's one thing I might maybe throw it over to you, George, to, uh, uh, to ask. I mean, I want to know your opinions on the match anyway, but, like, um, what did you think of Aries' performance in this match as well? Because he's a guy that a few years ago I was really high on. But I feared that maybe he'd um, exhausted his best years in in TNA, which let's face it is a fucking joke. Um, but that was that, that that was a worry that I had about Joe as well, and he's disproven me uh, on that. So what do you think about Aries in this match and the match in general? I thought I don't think I I don't think I loved the match as much as you two guys did. But um, I thought I think partially my problem was it with it was although being on the pre-show meant it got more time, which was good. Um, I think the atmosphere kind of hurt it because people were still filing in. Yeah. And it's the classic uh, junior heavyweight tag match in the uh, in the Tokyo Dome where they do loads of really impressive stuff, but like no one gives a shit because you know they're not yeah. they're not conditioned to give a shit, and it's the first match on the card. That's true. That's true. Saying that, that's when true. did you ever think that you would see a cruiserweight title match at WrestleMania get more time than both? Yeah, God, that is very <laughs> true. true. Fucking hell. 
Probably combined that, yeah. actually, because I think... Yeah, Hibs it will have been minutes, as well. God. Got, uh, Goldberg was what? at four and a half. Yeah. So that's about 15 minutes. So they got more time than yeah. both world title matches combined. Yeah. What, I, what I will say about it is it uh, it did zip by. I, I had no idea it was as long as 16, 17 minutes when I look back at it, because it was... Which is a, which is the sign of a great match, in my opinion, if you, yeah. if you lose yourself yeah. in it and you don't realise it's that long, and that's the sign that the guys are doing something right. Uh, like that second Moto Suzuki match, uh, mm. not the not the one, the recent one, the first one. That went to a time limit draw. I didn't even fucking notice. I mm. thought they clipped it. I thought they clipped it ten minutes out. Yeah. Turned it. Nope. It was just it was just that long. Yeah. There's, that, yeah. There's, so. there's no bigger compliment than, than that. I don't think. Yeah, I thought old. Um, in response to your question, Daniel, I thought old Jacob Cass was really good in this match. He like he's quite a uh, quite a compact like wrestler. He kind of reminds me of uh, Travis Banks on the UK Indies in that sense. But everything yeah. he does. Yeah. He he moves with purpose, and he yeah. he did lay in his ship presumably because they were thinking, well, we've got to get this over somehow. And um, I thought yeah. his forearms were really good. He's got that sort of missed hour yeah. thing where the logic is if you do a little spin around before you do a move, it hurts more. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, I, I think totally. his uh, his I think actually anyone who does their suicide dive between the bottom and middle ropes rather than middle and top, it. That is the best way to do it. Like um, Travis Banks, uh, Trent Seven uh, does it that way. Class, yeah. um, who's the? Um, there's another person. Oh yeah, Travis Banks uh, does it that way. I, yeah. I think that one time Stan Hansen did a tope. Um, I think that was the way he did it as well, which is quite a sight to behold. Oh, they're saying that there's only one thing better than it, and it's Mark Henry's chocolate slide oh. where he does a suicide dive under the yes. bomb. Yes. Oh. I just don't, he just basically um, slides like a fucking water slide. Uh, <laughs> as, 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 as if a guy having three six mafia as his theme music wasn't enough to put him over to me, like just that kind of shit. <laughs> we could do a whole episode on Mark Henry, which we'll probably never do. But yeah. Okay, so like um in 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 general um um I, I, I'd say if we were doing a, a Cisco and Abert, would we give this match a thumbs up or, or what? Yeah, thumbs up for sure. I particularly like the finish, actually. Yeah. We were saying about how himself. Neville's like, because he's a heel now, he's changed the way he wrestles. He started using this sort of submission yeah. finisher. He's a lot less flashy. But at the same the time... Saturn, yeah, it? yeah, it's the Wings of Saturn. But mm. at the same time, he knows that the Red Arrow is his best and most powerful move. And like he had yeah. to do when he had to beat uh, he beat Jack Gallagher, when he's really, like, needs something to finish off, he thinks, oh, fucking hell, all right, I guess I'll do it. Even though it uh, it's something which will... Uh, pop the crowd i think they um it's a bit like because he's a heel they know the red arrow is really cool but because he's winning the match they'll still boo it it's like when yeah. J- when uh when cunt jbl was uh champion the clothesline from hell is fucking awesome but because it meant that jbl was going yeah. to win the match everyone hated it um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah yeah it's turning into his burning hammer yeah yeah the red arrow but that, that's that, that, that's what i was gonna say though like just to tie this back into i guess like the, the yeah the it is yeah of our usual podcast which is, which is japanese wrestling as i as i mentioned before that's what i like i like the fact that there's like um a, a, an escalation and almost like a hierarchy of, of finishes right like um and that's something which can really pull you into a match because like um for people that don't know i i like tomaso champa now since he's got on xp but for years i had a fucking grudge against him purely because i watched a match in which he did a fucking um burning hammer as a fucking transitional spot and it it, it absolutely enraged me to the point i mean he also nearly killed brian cage with an, an intentional ganso bomb in pwg once or something but like um yeah like it just it, it enraged me because I, that to me almost, I know this is kind of a stupid thing to say because it's only wrestling, but like 
I'm kind of precious about stuff like that, right? Because, like, Kabashi Ongi the Burning Hammer War, is it seven times, maybe? Or seven, like yeah. That? I think. It's, an, yeah. it's only five. Although, what, one thing I would say, we have to review. I once watched a Mitch Noko Pro action last year where um, it was three and a half minutes long and the heel tried the Burning Hammer four times. <laughs> just literally like, trying to blow up. Blow, blow up like a, a fly with a nuclear bomb, just literally like Colin elbow tie up, burning hammer attempt, yeah. failed, burning hammer attempt again, and he lost. Was, I, I thought it was so ridiculous, I couldn't hate it. But that's, that's kind of funny because it's that's, such a comedic yeah. thing to do, just to go for a massive overreaction. Oh, yeah, like, like, like just like, you know, having a small argument yeah. and pulling out a fucking samurai yeah. sword or something there's, like that. There's definitely, a, there's definitely a way to use those, those things. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, I think yeah, thumbs up yeah. for that match. I think you two guys liked it more than I did, um, but um, yeah. So I think up next the um, I don't think there's really much to get into with this, but we'll uh, we'll pay it lip service anyway. Um, uh, the uh, Andre the Giant Memorial Pre-Show Battle Royal. So Daniel, um, <laughs> would you like to? Oh, actually, I have a couple. Oh, uh, go on then. Before events, right. go first. Right, I've, yeah, go first. Well, I've one thing I want to mention. I liked. And similarly disliked the fact that is it Bian Ding, the Chinese yes. guy? Yeah. yeah, he was in this. And he was. He didn't mention it yeah. at all. Didn't even mention him once. Yeah, they meant they like they hyped up on social media. I was like, all right, that's cool. Like he's never he, this is his first match and like you know apart from like a couple of he was with Ho Ho Luna a bit, but like, this is his proper first debut. Nah, he wasn't even in it. No, he, he didn't even mention him. I I don't even know if they mentioned his elimination. I and I really thought that. Obviously, it's a seven and a half hours. You're, you're a bit cut for time, especially when it's a guy who no one has ever literally heard of in a nonsense battle royal. <laughs> but, I mean, like, was there, I don't think there was even anything on .com, no. a, a video about this guy. I'd really like to see, like, a small, like, five minutes yeah. of him in this match, about him going to WrestleMania. I think that would be a really great piece. Yeah. If they don't do that, fuck them, well, I mean, right? I mean, if they I do mean, do that, bravo. Well, they did a similar thing with uh, Itami yeah, they years did. ago, where they at least had like yeah. um, a little cool kind of like five minute video of him, and like obviously like I'm already a big Kenta Mark anyway, like uh, so I was already into that with him being in the match, but like um, yeah, like just a little something, like you know, like I mean, if you're gonna make such a big deal about like getting these um these guys to try and appeal to the Chinese market, then like maybe like try and pick them up a bit. I don't know if they maybe did some Chinese only like um, regional stuff with him but like it seemed odd. it was on pay-per-view yeah it was on pay-per-view and there was commentators so i imagine they, yeah. they would have been like a north korea brazil game that we showed you yeah <laughs> <laughs> the might of all bing bn ding throwing out big david yeah. that's not his name is it it's yeah shite. <laughs> he, he finished uh he finished yeah yeah, yeah yeah like yeah yeah and I, I, I love I love him just because he looks like um, James T. McKay from the Cosmic Dead. He does! I don't know if he does! He really does! Oh my god, yeah, yeah, shout out to James. He does look like James from the Cosmic Yes, the and every time I see him, I, I just think of James T. And I want Holy him to shit. win every belt yeah, yeah. because it's James T. McKay. This is... That's um, yeah. an incredibly niche reference. This, by the way, is, is it, it may be niche, but it's still relevant because, like, uh, the Cosmic Dead are, are, are literally a band that, like, people that aren't just me and David know about. Like, so that is... Look at the Cosmic Dead. Oh, yeah. If you are a psych head, if, if you like your psych music, yeah. you need the Cosmic Dead. If you're into psych rock and just, like, tripping out, fucking check out the Cosmic Dead. They're a, a psych band from Glasgow. And, uh, the, uh, yeah, like, uh, one of their members, James, does, like, a lot like Killian Dane. Yeah, legit. Not not, <laughs> not, not as beefy and, like, enormous, but, like, yeah, like a smaller Killian Dane. Yeah, that, I mean, it's a battle royal, isn't it? I liked the Big Show Strowman spot because... Oh. 
I like the fact that it was literally like twenty nine on on one. But <laughs> like the big show and Strowman, like every everyone just went, nah, fuck this. The, the collective will took over, and every single competitor just went and beat the shit out of Strowman and Show and knocked them out. Yeah, I really like that. Like that's how battle royal should be. I mentioned before in like, the last episode we put out about my wife's feeding and no one can yeah. beat the big show. And this is the way you can beat them if twenty eight of you all gang up yeah. and launch them over at the same time. Yeah. Same as Strowman. Like Strowman oh, should have won yeah. this. Realistically, oh, for Strowman God's sake, yes, he should. Yes, he should. Especially now that he's meant to be challenging Lesnar, which will be a match of the year. There's going to be an absolute fucking car crash, right? And I can't wait for it's it. It's going to be but incredible. He should have won this. Yes. He could have, you know, revitalized this battle royal yeah. just by, um, you know, just by fucking, you know, winning this and then going out going, I won this thing. I am the best. I want to face Brock Lesnar. And yeah, it, it, it was so easy. Um, but. Yeah, you know, I, I was all right with the way they get eliminated. They just, they just, if they had to be eliminated, I guess this is the best way they could have done. I was going to say, like the, it was looking at the lineup. I mean, and you know, I'm sure a lot of these guys are really talented performers, but in terms of their position on the card, it was primarily chaff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, and that was. I don't think there was anybody from two. No, there wasn't. Like they've got all the fucking really chaff scanning. you want there. <laughs> exactly. Really, I was hoping that we get some two two or five live guys in there because I wanted to, you know, just see them get something. No, no, not in it. They at this rate, they could have had like a forty man battle. Yeah, they easily could. Yeah. They could have. They don't get on the card, but fucking like Titus O'Neil gets on the card. The Shining Stars get on the card. He's a real deal, George Wim Malone. Jinder Mahal gets on the card. Not only gets on the fucking thing, but like, we'll we'll get to him. Yeah, yeah, I mean... This is the whole reason Tanya won the poll, the the, the prediction we had, wasn't it? Because she picked Jinder Mahal. Yeah, yeah. Like, to win the Battle Royal. Yeah, yeah. And, like, she got five points for it because he was second. Yeah, and that, yeah. that was what tipped her over. Definitely, like... Shout out to Tanya. Fucking hell, Mystic Meg over yeah, there, man. That yeah. is an unbelievable. Yeah, shout out to our friend Tanya because, like, uh, yeah, as David said... They just used like the, the most uh, like uh, basic logic to the, like in terms of their their, their own fandom to dictate this, and that's basically how you, how you win these prediction things. I think is that there's no way of predicting many of these days, especially after the last few years and the weird results. You just go with like the weird internal logic you've got. Um, but speaking of which, my internal logic dictates that I think that Mojo Rawley is history's greatest monster. <laughs> now, oh god, I've got a lot of emotions about this, lads. I'm not even fucking joking, right? Um, <laughs> right. Actually, actually, before before you go on, because right, this could last about five minutes. So get get your fucking get your shit in now. Right. Have you seen his promo on Talking Smack from a couple of weeks ago? Yes, and it was fucking awful. And I hated it. What? No, look, with the one where he's talking about how he never sees his dad because he's. Like, I don't care. I don't give a. His fuck, dad does the right? bullets. I don't give a fuck. I don't care. Yes, right. But, oh my god, if I could go back in time, right, and deliver a fucking birthday present to his dad on the day before he was conceived, that was a fucking condom. <laughs> I would do it, right? Seriously, right? Okay, look, right. I am generally someone that is really positive or tries to be really positive about wrestling. Okay. Fucking stones it. Uh, no, 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 not now, not now. Everyone's got to have a bit of fucking time off, right? I generally try and be as positive as I can about wrestling. I don't actually like really talking about wrestling I don't like that much because there's so much good wrestling out there. Why the fuck should I talk about shit I don't like all the time? But Mojo Rowley, and I get I get the appeal, right? I understand the appeal, actually, I do, right? Um, in some, There's a lot of people that will argue that he's an old-school kind of face, 
um, that gets over through the fact that he's just like, you know, she, she'll be an enthusiastic, decent, um, you know, kind of, um, um, uh, you know, maybe a bit of a sort of like um, irritating sort of over the top guy, but a guy that is at the end of the day, lovable. Okay. But I cannot help it in wrestling when something rubs me up the wrong way. And I don't know what it is about Mojo Rawley. I don't want to hate him. I know he does a lot of really cool stuff outside of the ring where he's like really um, inspirational to like like young kids and stuff. And does a lot of make a, uh, uh, what is it? Make a wish, yeah, uh, yeah. true, whatever it is, that, that, that thing. Yeah. He does a lot of that stuff, right? This is not me having to go at Mojo Rawley as a person. I'm sure he's fucking really sound, all right? Seems like a good guy. But the way he's presented in wrestling, here's the thing. We'll come to this later on. The way that a lot of people feel about Roman Reigns right? I disagree with that. I love Roman. That's how I feel about Mojo Rawley, okay? I, I, I wrote a thing on, on, on the Facebook group, and I will read this out now in full, because this it completely, <laughs> completely encapsulates how I feel about this guy, okay? And uh, as I said, nothing personal, but this is about his wrestling character, okay? The true face of evil. It isn't some carnival Lucifer twirling an ostentatious tash in your general direction and tempting you to commit sin. It's an everyday, unspoken, simmering evil that eats away at the very fabric of society like a roided-up tapeworm, slowly decimating our communities bit by bit, robbing us of the pride we once had in our own ability to support each other, and leaving us a smack-infested husk of a shit town with our industry dead all around us. Take heed of Mojo Rawley's face. Remember it's every contour and tick, but make no mistake, these are the fucking end times, friends, and this may constitute our last glimpse at the living. I open up my wallet and it's full of blood. Shout out to Godspeed, you black emperor. That is how I feel <laughs> about Mojo Rawley. All right. I, I need to ask this as well, right? I cannot stomach Do you him. listen to Voices of Wrestling? Um. Okay. Oh God, this is okay because now we're kind of provident, so I don't want to create any beef. But I listen to some of their stuff. Um. I find the uh, right. No, the reason I ask, right, is the flagship show. It must have been like January. Joe Lanza had like verbatim what <laughs> you've just done well, extended for like 20 minutes that's good and it was the fucking most hilarious thing i have ever heard in my life i i need to send you it i need to send no, you no that, that's great because um land is a guy who i don't always agree with um on a lot of things and i can sometimes find his style a bit irritating but hey i am a loud mouth as well and i'm sure my style is irritating to some people I, i'm glad that he said that because it's nice to have something in common that something you don't always agree with and not have a bridge. And I think maybe me and Lanza could, could bond over that. Yeah. Well, I, the problem I have now is I feel that I am now the Mojo Rawley in my social group because <laughs> I'm the loud, over, over-exuberant guy no. who's always hyped and... Rah. I'm that dick. No, but I, I'm Thanks, that dick. Thanks, Daniel, for letting me realise it. No, 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 no. I'm that dick as well, right? And, and that's maybe... <laughs> there's nothing more brutal and pure than um, the, the kind of self-hatred that you get when, when you see yourself reflected in someone else with all the qualities you don't like and that, that about yourself. And that, to me, is what Mojo Rawley uh, uh, gives me. I worry when I watch him that, shit, my mates, is this how I come across to my mates? Like, he just, he is sandpaper <laughs> for me. He's so fucking irritating. Um, and I will, I will say this. I don't want to be a total fucking cock about it, right? I don't think the guys, the guys are lost cause in the ring. By any stretch of the imagination, um, the guy is green, uh, by you know by, by certain standards. Um, but he he can go in the ring. Um, I I, I don't uh, deny the possibility in the in the future there might be good motor rolling matches. And also, guess what? Like, even though he's being booked as a face, I probably would tune in to watch someone smash the fuck out of him because that's how much he irritates me. Um, 
So yeah, th there is hope there, and I'm not saying that he's a bad worker or anything like that, but the presentation of this guy just does my nutting. And here's the other thing, right? So, so sorry, I, I was going to mention about um, was it Rob Gronkowski? Yeah, he's that a, guy's an NFL player. Gronk. Right. Yeah. Okay. Because see, this is the thing, right? When it comes to American sports, unless it's like MMA, boxing, or like uh, stuff that has American people in it by chance, the only American sport that I really know much about is basketball. And even then, my knowledge is like pretty, pretty thin, and it, and it, and it sort of centers around the 90s. <laughs> uh, so um, this uh, Gronkowski thing meant kind of nothing to me, but I'm guessing this was quite a big deal for Americans. So I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how to feel about that because I'm not sure I'm the person that's best place to talk about it. Yeah, like he... Put it, yeah, like he is. Um, I mean, I I watch the Super Bowl every year, and that's about it. But like, Gronkowski is by all accounts like a really big name. Like it's right, it's not. I don't think it's quite the equivalent of like what that time Wayne Rooney was on uh, on Raw and slapped uh, Wade Barrett in a rare instance of Wayne Rooney hitting the target nowadays. Hey! I, I, um, hey, and Wade Barrett appraising Preston North End. Yeah, like a fucking hilarious promo that I, I loved. It's um, it's he's not quite that, but like he is uh, he is a big name, and that really turns it around to what um, what Mania is and what you know it was ever thus in terms of it's not really about the wrestling, it's about the spectacle, it's about celebrity involvement, and you know, yeah, you know what moments. is going to get to the moments that you fucking worry, but um. You know, it's what's going to get the, the column inches uh, the next morning at a time when more eyes are on wrestling than at any other point in the year. Yeah. Is it, um, you know, yeah. Braun Strowman, who great as he is, is a guy who doesn't have any mainstream recognition winning a battle royal? Or is yeah. it like, OK, we can put this guy over and we can get this big name um, NFL player? I mean, fucking hell, the battle royal at WrestleMania 2 had 10 NFL players actually competing in it. This is not a new development. Yeah, I was really surprised at this because nowadays NFL are very strict about what they can and can't do. Do you remember Pac-Man Joe? Former TNA Tag Champion. Yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, he's a TNA Tag Champion, <laughs> but he was like contractually like restricted from ever being wrestling. But he was still a Tag Champion, but he was just never allowed to wrestle because the other guy did all the work. Yeah, I was really surprised he was allowed to actually like you know do the tackle because NFL are really really strict about any physicality mm. whatsoever. So Mojo Rawley, he has he has pretty sandpaper, but like he has he is really good friends of Gronk. So fair enough if you got yeah. you, you're like good pals. So you know you get to have this moment with your pal. I mean who who can become yeah. somebody that, that oh, yeah. you know that's great. And like the last couple of weeks, like I mean like, listen to his promo about possibly winning this and it was all a bit more serious. And he was talking about how is that that SmackDown won the ladder match last year. Yeah, oh. and he had the moment. And I was like, you know what? Right, if he wins it, fair enough. He get it clearly means a lot to him. Hey, no, I'm not going to begrudge him. Nobody else gives a fuck about this. Let him have it. But yeah, we should. I mean the <laughs> I, I, the last thing I will say before before we, we move on is that yeah the way it was booked was really a bit ass backwards because basically i think going into it everyone had the same idea i think everyone thought that the final three would be and correct me if i'm wrong i don't know if you what you guys thought but i thought the final three would be braun Strowman, the big show and sammy zayn yeah i thought maybe that would be some combination of those guys yeah, yeah. i thought zayn might do the oh you mean the yeah 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 I thought maybe Zayn would come out from the ring and, you know, try and chuck him over. I thought they'd maybe do that. Because, I mean, to be fair, when they did that with Santino, I lost my fucking Yeah, mind. like... I but... was out of my chair, screaming at the television. So, yeah, I thought they were going to do that. But, yeah, that was my final fuse. But, no, he he just got tossed without ceremony. As did Dolph Ziggler, really. There was an interesting... Um, 
uh, subplot of uh, almost entire. I'm I'm sure I'm. It was unintentional. With uh, Dolph Ziggler, a noted Trump supporter, versus various foreign wrestlers. Is he? I uh, did such not as know uh, that Tian Bing and the like. Such a fucking VL. Yeah, absolutely. And um, but yeah, like the final three we got instead of uh, Big Show, Sami Zayn, and Braun, who are like featured performers on uh, on Raw. Big Show, not so much, but the other two certainly. Uh, we got um, uh, Killian Dane, aka Big Demo, who I think is great. Yeah, but like, it was very weird to see him in the final three of this. And the aforementioned Mojo Rawley. And the weirdest thing was like, you know, if you want to give Mojo Rawley the win, like great, you know, but you have to have like a compelling antagonist. <laughs> For him to overcome, to make it mean to the end, you know, for, you, to get you, like for Gronk to overcome. That hard body Mahal is not a, uh, <laughs> a serious contender. Like... <laughs> right, what 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 I will say at the outset, and we've always been a, a we've always been a podcast, um, and maybe maybe you know we do go on about this a lot, but I think it's uh, I think it's important. We are a podcast which is very big on body positivity. Aren't Absolutely, we? yeah, yes. legit. Yeah, you know there is, you know there is, there is, there is beauty in like in you know all shapes and sizes, yeah, yeah. you know male, male, female, and whatever. Um, having said that, uh, with all that said, <laughs> I don't like looking at Jinder Mahal. No, because it me. like I didn't know, I didn't know the Punjab had such reserves of gas. <laughs> it's 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 actually terrifying. You've had that belt for yeah, like yeah, six yeah, days, yeah, haven't yeah, you? Yeah, You've yeah, been yeah. six days. I, I I often have gas building up for six days. What on this? Brilliant. Is that Thai takeaway, mate? Yeah, fart jokes will always get over this this side. Um, but no, it, you don't. Yeah, but but you're right though. Actually, it sounds like a horrible thing to say. Um, and I don't want to preempt anything. But sometimes when I look at Jinder Mahal, I think of guys like you know guys like David Boy Smith, where at the end of his career you looked at him and. He was. A, he looked tight in his skin. He was a big guy, like to the point that, like, you thought this this isn't healthy. Like, you can't be that ripped, um, you know, and and do this amount of cardio. Like, it doesn't. The science doesn't add up. Um, and I do worry a little bit about Jinder Mahal. Like, for God's sake, like, I hope nothing happens to him. But do you know what I mean? I get uncomfortable watching him. Clearly, the the WWE wellness policy goes two ways because the biggest part, the biggest stars in the company don't get tested, and the smallest stars yeah. in the company don't get tested. Anyone in the middle who anyone yeah. gives a fuck about, yeah, tested. Yeah. Some some guy on the mid card who, yeah, who accidentally has like a fucking paracetamol by accident is fucked. Like, but like you know, <laughs> but Jinder Mahal can like, like, like you know, the black hole oh of heat. Goodness, he's like an anti-star. Oh. Like he is an anti-star. And yeah, he yeah clearly not being tested. Either that, or he's getting real Ferdinand to fucking take his blood <laughs> test for him. <laughs> oh uh, god, fuck United. Um, so yeah, I think battle, battle royal we can agree bit of bit of a squib. Yeah, yeah. Let's, um, I mean, battle royals are usually yeah. Let, 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 yeah. Let, let's move on to the uh, the, the next let's, match. Yeah, would it the next match um, is uh, Intercontinental Championship being on, on the line between. Um, uh, Dean Ambrose depend, defending against uh, Baron Corbin. Would anyone take it amiss if I just suggested we go straight on to the next fucking yeah, match? Because honestly, I remember fuck all about this. Yeah. I actually have one point that I wanted to make about this, right? Remember last year, Ambrose Lesnar, right? Yeah. You, rem- you, remember, yeah. you remember the build. You remember how excited we all were. Remember how shit the match Ambrose was. was from CZW. Yeah, he had a chainsaw. He had a barbed wire bag. He had Terry fucking Funk my friend in a promo. Was a, he had Terry fucking Funk come out in a promo. I remember a dirt sheet said that they were thinking of using light tubes. Things like that. 
and you were so hyped. You're like, oh my god, they're going to do the de- the death match you've always wanted, the the non PG brawl that you've always wanted, and it's going to be amazing. It's going to blow us away, and then it didn't, right? Absolutely because shit. as by Ambrose's admission, Lesnar couldn't be asked. Yeah. He, he basically yeah. gave it. He had an entire match planned out of all these weird, crazy spots with tons of weapons, things like that. It was going to basically put him on the map and make him like the biggest star. And Lesnar went, nah, can't be arsed. And then I was like, oh, fuck, right, fair enough. It, to be honest, right, you know what? I enjoyed it for what it was, but it was a fucking dreadful match. But then it came to this year, and I was like, Ambrose going up against this big bully. Both have a point to prove. Both won that WrestleMania match, that big match that they, they want to go. It's go. They're going to have that Lesnar match. They're going to do it. Because, I mean, remember, do you remember that chairs match of Corbin and Kalisto? That was yeah, fucking really incredible. Good. That was so good. And I was like, Corbin can have a great brawl. Ambrose, he's got all these plans. He's going to put them in. This is going to be the match we've all been dreaming of from last year. Then it wasn't. <laughs> I was so excited for it. It's going to be a bit hard to motivate yourself when, like, you're on the pre-show, but fuck, Evie's oh, no, 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 and Neville did it. I know what you mean when you say that, but wrestling is chock full of guys throughout history who haven't given a fuck whether they're on the, 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 the pre-show or they're on a dark match. Yeah. We got there and look, this is a craft, right? And these guys, the best guys in the world are, are dedicated and they're fucking craftsmen, right? They're, they're artists in there. And they don't give a fuck how big the audience is, right? Or, or how into it they are. We got there and they do something because they want to fucking take pride in it, right? I, I, I'm not a wrestler, and I never will be, so I don't necessarily always like to sort of say, like, you know, this match was terribly worked or whatever, but to me, it wasn't arresting. It wasn't interesting, and what made me even more angry was that they actually had a really good match on SmackDown, like, um, a, couple of, uh, uh, yeah. a couple of nights later, which I thought was really good. Um, and so I know these guys can do it. Was, it. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm not a huge fan of either of them really in ring, but I know these two guys when they put their minds to it can bring it right. And they didn't. Like they fucking uh, to, to to borrow um, a phrase from our American friends, they laid a fucking egg. Yeah. Saying that the finish, I like the finish. Yeah, the finish was good. The days and he twirled right round a turtle roll and then put him in the dirty deeds. Yeah, I like that. I'll give you that. Yeah, that yeah but that was about only, the only yeah. arresting thing in the match. Yeah. I didn't mean to say when I say. You, know, you can see why they were unmotivated. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't mean in any way to excuse no, no, it, no, 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 no. but I'm, I'm sure there was probably some thinking. And Ambrose has acquired himself a little bit of a reputation, whether that's fairly earned or not, as someone who has, uh, he, you know, he has a tendency to phone it in sometimes. Yep. And I don't think necessarily that performances like that uh, are particularly going to help. So, you know what? I think on this episode, we should give about as much of a shit about the match as as yeah, you know, the performance clearly yeah, did, and let's just then. fucking okay, move on, match, shall we? Next match. Like so, the uh, the the main <laughs> show. I have got a lot to say about this, and I know Daniel has, and I'm sure David has as well. Okay, so the uh, the show opened uh, with uh, what WWE seems to think is the national anthem, uh, "America the Beautiful," it's better than the uh, anthem. sung by someone called uh, someone called Tenashe. and I know this because I got a text from Daniel. <laughs> Um, round about the time it was happening, just saying uh, Tenashe in, like, caps, and then, like, about a billion exclamation marks. Now, I didn't know that that was the name of the woman who was singing, because, um, you know, we as we've just heard, I, I am a man who goes to classical music concerts for fun. I'm not up with popular music. I don't know what a clean bandit is. So, you know, I... Um, 
I was not aware that this was the identity of the woman who was singing. And so when I got this text, the first name that sprung to mind, I swear to God, and this says a lot about me also, was uh, former Zimbabwe fastballer Tanasha Panyangala, <laughs> um, who I understand was not the person um, in question. No, no, he couldn't make it. <laughs> he was the first choice, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, I, I, I texted George because, as I've just previously mentioned, um, I I have a big thing for... like. Um, Modern pop and R and B um, music. Um, I'm a big fan of a lot of that stuff. And like to, to give you some perspective, right? You've got like your Beyonces, like your Nicki Minaj's, like you know your, your top tier, like uh, modern like uh, uh, R and B guys or folks. Um, Tanasha is kind of like below that level. Uh, but for a lot of people that are like really into uh, this kind of like um, um, modern R and B style. Like, uh, she, she's brought out some stuff that, like, I, I love. Like, uh, she has this um, uh, a great EP with this great track, Wanderer, on it, which I absolutely adore. So, like, to me, like, it was so surprising because I had no idea that, like, she was going to be on this. Like, I don't have Twitter, so she might have announced it on that. I, I don't know. And I didn't really check my Facebook or anything. Um, and when... It... They did mention it on Raw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's it. They mentioned it afterwards, yeah. Because, like, um, I... I, 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 when it was on, like Gary, uh, the mysterious Gary, doesn't have any idea who Tanasha is either. And when she sort of came on, I, I was like, is that Tanasha? Because I say Tanasha, you know. Uh, is that Tanasha? And like, uh, when they announced it, I po- that was the biggest pop that I had for the whole mania <laughs> until probably the next day when I actually rewatched Goldberg versus uh, uh, Lesnar. That was the biggest pop I had. I love Tanasha. So that was like, um, I, I posted a thing on Facebook just saying, everyone uh, you know that, that doesn't know um that massive enormous thunderclap you heard last night was my two worlds colliding as tanash was at wrestlemania <laughs> like uh, so that that was a big deal for me like uh, i i love tanash man she's she's, she's great <laughs> yeah like not 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 a huge fan of the song but like she's clearly a very good singer oh, yeah, yeah. and um you know she's someone who you know clearly knows uh, what they're doing uh, which uh, brings me on to the opener which featured someone who really knows what they're doing and someone who doesn't really know what they're doing, uh, but by God, they're going to put he worked well. all the episode. <laughs> Sorry? Yuli Weiji Styles alone. He put in a good shift. <laughs> so, yes, um, on that on that topic, uh, the opener, a bit of a weird choice for the opener. I felt for sure they would go with the uh, with the tag team match. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, bit of a weird one, this. AJ Styles versus Shane McMahon. Someone's been fucking with my TW mod again, haven't they? <laughs> so, um, what... Um, okay, Daniel, because yeah. I've seen in the last few days... I'm going to let Daniel go first, so then I can inject a bit of positivity <laughs> back into this. Right, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm fully aware that I'm probably going to get pelters for this, right? <laughs> okay, this is complicated. <laughs> Do you think this will take about two minutes, because I need a piss? Yeah, 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 about two, three. Right, that's fine. Oh, I think it will take more than that. <laughs> I'll, I'll, try, I'll try and be done. Um, okay, right, so I'll be back in a minute. The problem that I've got with this match is um, nothing to do with the execution. Um, I respect, I, I really respect um, Shane McMahon's willingness to um, better himself in the ring. Um, he's clearly done um, an awful lot of stuff in terms of his like uh, BJJ and Muay Thai outside of the ring, which I really respect. I'm someone that occasionally, when I feel well enough, um, tries to do Muay Thai myself, and it's really really fucking hard um, and this guy is trained with like phil nurse and some of the best muay thai guys out there um and look the guy's dedicated the guy is legit he could batter me in a muay thai fight that's for sure um but i cannot 
get my head around a match which is booked to have a non-wrestler um, in parity exchanges with a wrestler. Now, I know that might sound counterintuitive because in real life, I've actually got no doubt that Shane McMahon could probably tap AJ Styles, right? As far as I know, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but AJ doesn't really have any legit like 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 combat sports background, right? Um, McMahon probably does have the, the edge on him in real life. Um, he he's clearly he's training for like a, a BJJ um uh, a, a match at the moment, I think. So the guy knows what he's doing. But for me, in terms of the storytelling and how it's framed, I I'll be honest, I just don't like seeing parity exchanges between guys that um are not meant to be on the level of um the guys they're against. Um, I thought this years ago. Um, when Shane McMahon was up against Kurt Angle. Look, I'm not going to lie. Those matches are entertaining, right? But I've got like two brains when I watch wrestling because I'm an internally conflicted individual with loads of anxiety, right? And my, my, my one brain says, watch what's in front of you. This is fun, right? And, and it is. It, it, the whole match was kind of like um, a weird, car, uh, had a weird car crash kind of element to it. And Shane like worked his ass off and tried to do well in those exchanges. And I, as I said before, I respect that. But I can't get into it in terms of the narrative. Um, for me, me and Gary were both start watching, and Gary's a guy who I don't want to speak on his behalf, but he's not here, so I kind of, I kind of will. Um, he's perhaps not as massively into the kind of um, grappling and the, the combat sports aspect of, of stuff as I am. Um, but even he, when we were sitting there together, it got to a certain point in the middle where there was just this endless exchange of grappling, where Gary said to me, "Look, like this is just a vanity match now," and. As harsh as a judgment as that may sound, I kind of agree with him. Like, um, you're the son. It is. Yeah. It, 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 it's a straight up vanity match. Now, look, I'm not saying that this wasn't entertaining. I know it was, and that's the other the, the other brain I've got that switches off the critical senses and and that just takes things in for what they are. And I like that side of my brain. That side of my brain actually makes me happier. <laughs> but there is this other side that that can't quite you know, grasp this. You can't compute it. And it's problematic for me when I'm watching it because um, I know AJ Styles, as I said before, isn't a legit shooter. But in the in the world of, of WWE that they've set up for me in this in this narrative, he's the Don, right? And he's the, he, to me, yeah. he's the greatest wrestler in the fucking world, right? And, and he shouldn't be doing these parity exchanges. So I understand that all my opinions on this match and why I texted George saying, I hate this match. And he texts me back saying, no, 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 no way. Like, and that's that, that's good because we shouldn't always agree on wrestling and we should always have different opinions on it. But for me, it didn't work. And I understand that I'm the outlier and that an awful lot of people love this match. But for me, there's a part of the internal narrative that doesn't work and it won't get me. And it's not always the case. There are matches where wrestlers who aren't, um, uh, who are, you know, um, pitted as or, or, or presented as, as the best in the world, take on people that are lesser than them, and they create an interesting story out of it. But to me, it would have been more of an interesting story to see Shane McMahon working underneath um, and getting his ass handed to him and having to do this kind of crazy comeback through risk-taking. It might sound rope, but that's the Shane McMahon match that I want. So I know, I, I'll, I'll hand it over to you guys. I absolutely now. agree with you. I absolutely agree with you, right, on that. And one thing I will say, I'm going to inject the positivity by first of all saying that Shane McMahon is absolute dog shit, right? <laughs> he is absolutely terrible, right? But you, you, you kind of summed up my point with the two minds sort of thing because when I watch Shane McMahon's, I cannot, I cannot criticise it in the same way as a normal wrestling match. Yeah, right? that's fair. Because, I mean, 
I mean, the, the, easiest, the easiest example I can give, the reason why I, I kind of view him through a different lens, and this goes for the, the this goes back to like the, the Hell in a Cell match with The Undertaker, right? Pretty awful match, right? But I have, I have a friend uh, called Cash, right? Um, who is a big Shane McMahon fan and always was as a kid. So, like, he loved Shane McMahon, yeah. as, as we all yeah, did yeah, at the yeah, time, yeah. jumping off a Titan Tron and all that. And he loved him for all his crazy stunts. And he doesn't watch wrestling anymore. He kind of keeps up, you know, you'll kind of see people on Facebook and things like that. And you'll maybe watch some old walk culture stuff about like the attitude and that. But he um, doesn't keep up with the modern product. And every year for WrestleMania, the day or two after, um, I go to his house and I pick out. It started with Sting because he was a big Sting fan. We watched the Sting match and I loved it so much. And it was, that was my match of the year. And I think part of this is down to the fact that when I watched this match with him, I had the time of my life laughing. Yeah. You know, just so joyous. You know, we were just loving every single moment of it. And it was the same with the Hell in a Cell match because he was loving this, just this absolute car crash of a match. And we were laughing and kind of joking. And it was a really good bonded experience where we really just enjoyed the hell at this match, yeah. not because it was a good wrestling match, yeah. just because we enjoyed it as a weird spectacle sort of thing and that now Shane McMahon matches I always just look at them through that lens of me sitting with my pal watching them as a non-viewer mm-hmm. and just kind of sitting back and just like going look I am, I'm here to be entertained entertain me do what the fuck yeah, you like. yeah. and I'll give credit to Shane McMahon he has dog shit right but he put a shift in absolutely like he, he gave he gave his best he did not have half absolutely like you look at somebody like Ambrose for example who did nothing yeah and then you look at Shane McMahon it's night and day and even though, yeah, not everything was no picture perfect. He did he did his best. He yeah. tried. He you know he he he's the son of he's son of the boss. He didn't need to try. And I always love the fact that he will always put one hundred and ten percent into every match, yeah. even if it doesn't always work. I agree with he's that. He's always there and he's always putting the effort in. Yeah. So I, I I enjoyed this, and to be honest, I enjoyed this more than I expected to enjoy it. I, I actually did really. Quick. This is one of my favorite matches of the night because I just I just loved it. Like it was just so much fun and. It was so weird because everything about this I should hate. I mean, mm-hmm. the panic exchanges, it, it's been the gripe of Shane McMahon for how long now? I mean, remember Randy Orton? Yeah. No Way Out 2009, we basically killed yeah. the biggest heel they'd had in years. And like everyone's always said that Shane McMahon should not be 50-50 with people, and he is. He was 50-50 with Undertaker last year, <laughs> but the, the, I, I don't know. Like I expected to go, oh, it'll be all right. You know, and, you know, he, he pulled it out, and he did the absolute best he put like, the absolute best Shane McMahon match I think of. And I don't think it was AJ Styles carrying him. Not at all. I think he put the effort in as well. AJ Styles did a lot of work, but Shane McMahon did it as well. Yeah. I gave this a thumbs up yeah. because I really enjoyed it. It wasn't a good match, but that's not the be-all end-all. No, no. No, like, I... I, but I think I probably felt the most positive uh, amount out of all of you. Like, I do agree with you, Daniel, that there would have been something in the idea that... Because Shane's always been, like, you know, a stuntman. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yeah, there would yeah. have been something in Shane biting off more than he can chew, particularly now he's older, not in his physical prime anymore, whereas AJ Styles is. There would have been something in him trying to tie it up on the mat with AJ and getting his ass handed to him and then thinking, right, shit, I've got to go to my old wheelhouse of, you know... M- mad bastardry you know yeah. um I, th- I think i think that probably would have been a a more compelling story having said that and i've always seen the criticism that Sh- shane shouldn't be going um 50 50 with people like aj styles 
and uh, Kurt Angle. And, you know, I absolutely, I, I do absolutely appreciate that. But then I thought to myself, okay, in the, the logic of the world in which WWE has created, like, um, and uh, whether the work is well executed is another matter. But Shane McMahon has always been a talented mat wrestler. If you, if you, like, leave aside all, like, outside considerations about, like, you know, Shane McMahon is basically, he's not a wrestler, he's just a guy who got taught a few spots and stuff like that. But in kayfabe, Shane McMahon is talented on the mat. Now, this, like, this makes no sense logically, but if you think about all his matches, when he's had to mat wrestle, people like Kurt Angle and people like AJ Styles, he's actually gone about 50-50 and... I think the the, the 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 story has always been that he's he's kind of a prodigy, you know. There are like mm-hmm. to give an example, like I I'm quite into my chess, you know, and like <laughs> I keep George, up with like that's such a George the, phrase, by the way. Yeah, I I you know, I've, I've I've been to see it live sometimes. It's actually like I do it at test cricket. It's very I, nice and relaxing. I love you. <laughs> I went to, I went to see the snooker. I went to see snooker qualifiers once, right? And it was the most bizarre experience of my life felt like an out-of-body experience but i loved it it was great so no i totally understand the idea of just having something there that's just yeah out in front of you for so long it just kind of glacially moves by yeah but like i've i've been to see it live and like i'm i'm not amazing but my dad taught me when i was very young i like i've played quite a lot i know the difference between a royal lopez and a sicilian defense you know but there are I I have to like work quite hard at like the theory and the openings and all that shit because it doesn't particularly come natural to me. I'm not that yeah. kind of thinker. Yeah. Whereas there are some cunts who they can just they can just get it, you know. Like I went to this I went to this live chess tournament a couple of years ago in London, like on my way home for Christmas, and my my mate helped run it. And my mate is good, like he's got a fucking ranking yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah. And um, he said to me. You can come over to um, this stall in a minute because we do this thing for charity. And what it is, is you can pay a couple of quid and you can play against a chess grandmaster. And I was like, that that sounds fucking amazing just to say you've done it, you know. So I ended up um, playing on a time control where I had five minutes and once it's gone, it's gone. And that's for all my moves. And my opponent had one minute. And um, he was a guy called uh, David Howell, who's in the top 100 chess players in the entire world. Oh, shit. He's younger than I am. (laughs) And, like, um, he he beat me very handily, as you can imagine, being, like, 86th in the world at chess or whatever it was. (laughs) And bear in mind, the guy started with one minute on the clock. The cunt still had 16 seconds left (laughs) when he beat me. Jesus. And the thing is... This is Granny. this is a guy who he just he just picked it up and he went yeah. with it and he had all the talent in the world for that thing and I've never felt as out of completely out of my depth um, as I did back then I knew that was good, it was going to be the case but that's the thing some people they just they just get it and that's how I've come to view Shane McMahon that's, after yeah, this and yeah. the other thing yeah the the other thing I will say is like. I think the way in which I would quibble with how it's booked isn't that, you know, why is, you know, why is he getting 50-50 in the mat exchanges, but, you know, why is he getting 50-50 full stop, considering he's not a part-timer like uh, Undertaker or Goldberg or Brock, who are really powerful in uh, in kayfabe. Like, he's a guy who's been, he was, uh, you know, a businessman's son. He was a rich kid who hung around with a guy called Rodney. And... Uh, <laughs> Not not out of a yellow yellow van, but that's that's, a, that's another story. And uh, you know, 
he was he was just a man really, but a man who had a real natural talent yeah. uh, for wrestling. Yeah. So yeah, my quibble isn't with the isn't with the mat work so much as the fact that well, firstly, you know, why was this match booked at all? Because you know, it's the grandest stage of them all, the granddaddy of them all, if you will. Why is AJ Styles wrestling Shane McMahon? Yeah, but yeah. with my with my business head on, which you know. I would I would sever if I could. Um, <laughs> Wouldn't we all? Like I was saying about Mojo Rawley, what's going to get the casuals in? Yeah, yeah. What's going to get people interested? Is it AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn, who the man in the street doesn't know from Adam? I hate to come all Vince Russo about it, but or like, because you remember how excited everyone was about The Undertaker versus Shane? No, everyone was I like, wasn't. fucking hell. <laughs> well, oh, you remember okay. me. You remember me. You were, you were profoundly well, rigid. David, da- yes. David, was, Pro- David was hyped for this, but I was, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, but like everyone was like, "Fucking hell, what's this gonna look like?" And this year, everyone was like, "Fucking hell, there's no gimmick." AJ Styles is basically he's gonna real really show everyone how good he is when he gets a four, a four star match out of someone who isn't a trained wrestler and is forty fucking seven years old. No, no, I, I, I will. Before we move on to the next match, I, I will. This is the final thing I'll say in it, but I do agree with that actually. And one thing that I will say about this match is that AJ was as all great wrestlers are, and I do honestly think now that AJ has ascended to the ranks of the, the very greatest wrestlers, in, in my opinion, that I've ever seen, um, he was selfless in this match. Um, yes. Al- almost, yeah. almost, if you're coming from my old school crotchety perspective, to a fault. Um, he was willing to go out there with a guy who, as you all just said, uh, in, in kayfabe, shouldn't really have had the credentials to beat him, and he was willing to go out there and work with him. Um, and I hope, and I think from what we've seen in on, on the SmackDown afterwards, I hope that this leads to an extra level of, I guess, I don't know, um, respect or, or whatever for AJ. Because I think he's quite well-liked anyway um, um, yeah. for, for what he's done in WWE. And he should be, because as I repeatedly say, for me, he's top dog. He's the best in the world. Well, the one thing I was going to mention is that a lot of people were like, grumbling about the fact that why isn't AJ Styles in a bigger match? They, I, to be honest, from a fan perspective, yeah, you think, oh, he could be in a bigger match. He should be with like Nakamura or Lesnar or something like that. But if you're Vince McMahon, yeah. what is the biggest, you know, that is a big match yeah, of course. to be against your son, yeah, yeah. against the son of a McMahon. That is a, that is a big time match, bigger than... Yeah. You know, well, certainly I felt bigger than Randy Orton versus Bray oh, Wyatt. Yeah, oh yeah. god, we'll get to that. Like <laughs> Vince, Vince, just like he—he's the fruit of my sperm. <laughs> exactly. So in their in their weird logic, I, I really I can't really fault the booking. I I actually prefer I would actually prefer this to having him against like, Randy Orton or something like this because this was it was an it was a spectacle, mm. and I would yeah. remember this far yeah, more yeah, than yeah, if he'd yeah. been against it. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I mean, I'm I'm one hundred percent willing to acknowledge that. This is, and this is what WrestleMania has become, and it's kind of part of my, I guess, uh, difficult mm. difficulty with connecting with it these days. Is that um, I'm a kind of like, I I like my wrestling to be in canon, right? Like I like all my wrestling to fit together and piece together nicely and be part of an ongoing, almost kind of like eternal storytelling thing, right? Um, yeah, and. Now that WrestleMania has become more and more and more and more and more about, as we said before, with the, with the uh, Gronkowski stuff, getting on ESPN the next day or getting social media likes the next day and having these mania moments, in quotation marks, I understand that's the way the business is going. I understand that that is what makes them the most money and that that is the most logical thing from a business standpoint for them to do. But I'm not a businessman. I never will be. 
and I fucking abhor business. <laughs> like that's just that's yeah, that, okay. that's just who I am personally, politically, whatever. Like um, it doesn't do it for me. But I will say what the 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 stuff that you've said, the positive stuff that you've said about the match, um, I can totally understand and I get behind. It's just that I have this this this, this block that can't get past that. Yeah, you know. So I'm not gonna say this match was terrible because it wasn't. It clearly did its job. It entertained a lot of people. It just wasn't for me. What I will say before we before we uh, move on, I think we've got time because like Daniel's got to go and do something, but I think we'll have time to talk about the next match because well, I don't really feel there's a huge amount to say about it. But um, what I will say for this match is, you know, Shane McMahon, he's not a trained wrestler, as we said, he's got his spots. Um, he is, as we all know, the best pure striker in WWE <laughs> history. With his his fucking, I mean, AJ had a black eye, and I don't know how because none of his strikes seem no, no, to no, connect no. at all. No, 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 right, right. This is the thing with Shane, right? This is what I just said. Because he has two strikes. Yeah. He has two strikes. Yeah. One that whiffs and one that nails yeah. them right in the face. He can either he cannot throw a work punch. He either misses by like a fucking mile, or he actually just clocks them. Because he's done this. I can't. Was it against the Undertaker? Was it maybe in the, the Raw before? We actually just like, fucking pelted him. Yeah. Like, he actually just went for it and just like, beat him the fuck up. I, I love Shane for his punches. They are absolutely terrible. And I love the fact that since he trained with Phil Nurse and Hoyce Gracie, his strikes have got worse. Yes! I love that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how that is no, even possible. I'll, 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 I love that. I'll tell you how that's possible, right? And it's not that his strikes are getting worse. It's that his... This is my limited knowledge of Muay Thai, right? But... Um, his it's not his it, it, it's that his his shoot well his work punches rather are getting worse. Um, but this is probably a sign that his actual uh, you know like um, real life punches when he's sparring are getting better because I know for a fact that like whenever I've I've sparred with people and got my ass handed to me inevitably um, there's very little I find it very difficult as a beginner in this shit um, to 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 sort of like have a middle ground. Like, I can either go really light or I go too far and I deck the person. Um, and, like, that's because I'm I'm not very good, <laughs> right? Like, uh, you, have to, <laughs> you have to be kind of um, kind of decent and know how uh, to have a really good technical punch to be able to pull it properly, right? And I'm not quite at that level. So I'm kind of all over the place with that. I, I'm bipolar and that, like, so many other things um, in my life. But... Um, you know what I mean? Like it's so. It, I'm sure he's actually probably a very effective puncher when he's sparring. It's just that sometimes when you're trying to pull a punch, it can kind of be weird to work that out. So I, I'll, I'll point that out as well. Like that, that's not necessarily. That a is bad. a very interesting theory. That that that's. It's, just, it's, just, it's that, just an idea. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if that's true of Shane McMahon. It's just a, a, an idea. You look at like MMA people who've went into wrestling, and a lot of them have shit work punches. Because they yeah, don't know how is... to pull a worked punch. Exactly. So you have that, a good point true, that you know, as he's becoming more of a shoot fighter, yeah. <laughs> um, he's losing the ability to throw a worked punch. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like I tell you what, he's not losing the ability to because, like I say, like he's got his spot, he's got his punch, and everyone was like, he's going to do the coast to coast, which I'm, I'm still amazed. Oh, yeah. that he pulled that out yeah, at, uh, the the last year. He yeah, he's going to do the fucking elbow drop. Um, through the table yeah. on the outside, the guy's probably going to move out the way, which is actually what happened. But never in my life did I think that we would oh, see no. Shane McMahon at the age of forty-seven do a fucking shooting star press from the top rope. Like I think um, he might be the oldest man to have ever done one. Because like <laughs> Jushin Liger, yeah, who he wasn't actually. doing, um, 
Yeah. He had a lot more miles on the clock than Shane, yeah. but Jushin Liger weren't doing shooting star presses anymore at the age of 47, was yeah, he? Yeah, no. st- he stopped them around, about, what, around the time he changed up his style. Yeah, around about yeah exactly. Yeah. That's... I never even used him as a super finisher. That's that's actually that's actually a really great point, George. Actually, yeah, yeah, definitely. But yeah, fair play to because uh, I was I was agog when, when he did. It. I was like, there's no fucking way. He's doing oh yeah. Because I knew enough. It was a crazy to know spot. He, I, he did it before, and I was like, he's not going to do this. He's 47. He owned a Chinese telecoms company. Yeah. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> oh wait, oh, he done it. Ah. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, like, he he did the dirty cane bump on his knees when he landed, which must have fucking sucked. But like, <laughs> good god, his form on it was actually pretty damn good. Oh yeah, yeah. It was better than fucking Billy Kidman's. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> oh my goodness, like, but yeah, like, um, so a divisive match, but I think perhaps more divisive between us three than in uh the general uh sort of a uh, 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 wrestling fandom. I think. More or less, it, it went over pretty well from most of the of the, of the people. I've heard. The only sort of like really hardcore disagreements I've heard have, have come from like you know the likes of fucking old man shaking his fist at a cloud like me and like the PWO guys and stuff like that. But like we're always gonna fucking like you know hate on on this kind of carnival shit like you know. So it's 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 not to say that it wasn't a good match. I I, I understand that everyone else dug it. It's just it didn't. But yeah, let's um let, let's move on and talk about the next match. Yeah, the next match um was um that, that was, I think this is uh, one of the better built matches mm-hmm. uh, on the show. Remember, um, when we it, thought this is going to be the main event. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fucking hell! It is um uh, you know the United States Championship um uh Y two J Chris Jericho uh defending against his former best friend Kevin Owens. Now I will say at the outset that. So, so basically, if you're not hitherto aware of this, the build was they became best friends. They were a tag team. Uh, Jericho helped Owens win a load of matches, and then um, the basically the idea was that um, Jer- Jericho like sort of accepted the match on his behalf against Goldberg, and Owens there'd been a bit of friction and and there'd been some miscommunication in tag matches and whatever. Owens got very annoyed at him, and then culminating in what is one of my favourite segments um, of all time on Monday oh, Night Raw. wonderful Recently biased, be damned. This was wonderful. Uh, the yeah. Festival of Friendship. Um, I I thought that, um, I mean, you know, it was one of those classic wrestling segments where you've got a big set, you've got loads of hoopla, Jericho comes out in this fucking suit, in this fucking top hat, and the Vegas showgirls, and all the rest of it. And it had it very much reminded me of the um, Rock and Mick Foley. Uh, this is your life. Um, and one of the things and I never thought I would say this. Um, I thought that uh, Chris Jericho's acting in it was really really good. It was. Um, the, my favourite tweet about about this. Uh, very famously, um, Ernest Hemingway was uh, challenged to write a tragedy using six words, and what he came up with was. <laughs> For sale, baby shoes never used. <laughs> and I saw someone uh, tweeting along these lines. It said, uh, write a tragedy in six words. And they just said, how come my name's on this? <laughs> <laughs> so and I think Jericho's read of that line when he realised that, you know, what is about to happen and Owens is, you know, he's not his friend anymore and is about to beat the shit out of him. I thought his acting in that was really, really yeah, good. He played it, it perfectly yeah. and they didn't. They, he read it out before he, and then there was the reveal. So he said, "How come my name's on this?" And the crowd went, "Oh fuck! Yeah. Oh fuck! Is it happening?" Yeah, and they, that, they like, knew. Five, ten second tease, mm. and then when the list came out, the list of KO, oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah. 
Yeah, and also symbolically, because you remember that bit with uh, he brought out Friendship the Magician. Yeah. And then the magician wasn't very good, and so, he's, and so he wrote his name down. Um, Friendship was the last thing to go on the list. Oh, wow. That's oh, actually, man. for WWE standards in particular, that is very <laughs> no, clever it's, writing. It's, 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 yeah. it's genuinely actually touching at profundities, actually, which is something that you don't actually do that much in WWE, but it really was. Yeah, like we'd... When everyone like sort of we talk about uh, like oh who was a good promo yeah like you know like Hogan was a great promo um but less often do we talk about like who's a good actor yeah in wrestling because there's different things between promos are really you know your monologues whereas there's yeah. a, there's a very different thing between monologuing and you know doing these these back and forth segments and so often Legit. they're they're very anodyne you know a guy comes out and says a thing a guy comes out and says another thing it's it's like it's not it's not interactive particularly it's like it's like a few promos strung together it feels very unorganic it's fucking mock the week basically <laughs> all, all we need now is andy parsons to like walk out with a, a mic with a little wwe logo on it walking sideways like a big crab like his fucking career <laughs> what's that whole Vince McMahon thing about I don't understand that it doesn't even have carrots in it it's got a proper Cornish pasty <laughs> that's my terrible drink impression of Andy Park he's a fucking hot comedian anyway carry on <laughs> well if, if he was any good like he wouldn't still be on Mot the Week yeah. would he but, <laughs> well, um, yeah. the, the, says uh, me sat in my flat making like zingers on a pro wrestling show and he's a shit comedian like what the fuck do I know like, <laughs> to be fair we did roast um, a Mot the Week comedian on Twitter like we actually shut him down. It was quite funny. Oh, who was that? I can't oh, he was no, he wasn't. He wasn't mock the week. It was a uh, his guy called uh, Matt Ford. Right. Who um he has a show on Dave. Oh, he has a show on Dave, and it's about politics. Now, I I will I will say at the outset that I went to see Matt Ford's uh, stand up show about politics uh, at the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago, and I thought it was very funny. Um, but uh, one of the podcasts we 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 follow, I can't remember which one, but it's one of the podcasts who. Uh, has a you know similar far left show. mentality to what to what we do really, and um, Ford, Ford was uh, he worked for the Labour Party when um, when Tony Blair was uh, was Prime Minister, and uh, so you know that is very much a red a red rag to some people, yeah. um, you know myself included. No, no, indeed, like, um, and he was, someone was uh, ripping him about this, and he was saying, uh, it basically did the standard line of like, oh, like. Uh, it says the cool people who who watch wrestling. No, I say and... cool people who run a wrestling podcast. That's what it was. Yeah. And what what was it you said to him, David? To be fair, the only reason I watch wrestling is because Dave cancelled all Top Gears to put your show on. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't reply. I was so happy. It's probably because he was so he was so tremendously burned. Um... <laughs> Get this to the claim out. <laughs> So yeah, I think I think the build was really good, but um, what I would say is that I think it's a shame because Kevin Owens was so fucking good as his his original character in NXT was really good. He was like, I'm not a bad guy. I'm violent because if I'm champion, I can provide for my family. Yeah, but yeah. there was also the the undercurrent of he does seem to be enjoying it. You know, is this just an excuse? Yeah. For his sadism, it was it was it was like it was quite it was quite a nuanced character, no, and as as funny as he was, um, in this double act with Jericho, he was the universal champion yeah. at the time. Moreover, he was really the first guy to have held the universal championship for 
you know, any length of time. You know, there was that one day Finn Balor had it and then it was Owens. And I think a lot of people, and I, I would err on the side of this, um, felt that it sort of lacked the gravitas yeah, that um, a championship... I'm, I'm not saying every championship reign should be the same, but it seems like they have a propensity nowadays to more and more make uh, everything sort of, uh, you know, uh, ironic and, you know, and sort of, you know, uh, a bit arch. You know what I mean? I think it... I think another reason why they seem to have this mentality, and I can't remember, I can't remember who it was. I listened to a podcast of a writer, and they have this mentality now where basically you had The Rock, who was great at witty one-liners, and you did Stone Cold and that, and they they feel that in order to be a champion, yeah. to be a main eventer, you need to be able to bust out witty one-liners. So they actively put it in yeah. because they feel that this should be part of a main eventer's repertoire of doing this silly comedy. And it's just not bullshit. necessarily like, it's bollocks. It is. Like, it's Absolutely. nonsense, that. It's what's killed Roman Reigns for me. The Rock and Stone Cold had amazing comic timing. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. And not everyone does that. Like, some of the fucking promos they had Roman Reigns cut when they were trying to make him the guy, you know. Awful. It's it's basically, um, you know, WWE very much comes across a lot of the time as... Um, a it it's your classic sort of square pegs into round holes yeah. thing. It's like they've got a wrestling product and they've got a number of tropes and archetypes that they need people at the top of the card, the middle of the card, and lower card to fulfil. Yeah. And you know all these things, you know they have to be the same. And the the thing is, like that's never been the the case historically with you know top guys. You know, um, Hogan wasn't the same as Backlund. No, no, he was like. Become become known as like you know perceived as a refreshing antidote yeah. to Backlund at the time. Similarly, what? you know Brett and Sean well, weren't yeah. like Hogan. Austin wasn't like uh, Sean. Yeah. For, I mean, or Brett. Fucking hell. And you know, in his way, you know, um, you know, John Cena certainly wasn't like Austin. Yeah. So the the idea that you can just slot a guy into doing the same sort of stuff as his predecessors and have it go great is 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 fallacious because not everyone's the same kind of performer. Yeah. Not that Kevin Owens isn't good at these stuff because he is he is oh, a very I, funny bloke. I mean I, if you follow him on yeah, Twitter I, I, he's like, I like Owens a lot. Yeah. Like um it's it's just I, as you just said that for me it's not so much that I have a problem with there being tropes and motifs in wrestling. That's how wrestling works. Like that's how cinema works. That's how all the arts I like work, right? Um it's just that you have to slot the right people at the right time and with the right, um, you know, content, uh, with, with the right material in, in the right place. And for me, I was disappointed with this match because I wanted, perhaps unreasonably, but I wanted a full-blown, I'm an old-school guy, as I keep saying, I wanted a full-blown, old-school, hate-filled brawl for this match, right? And as much as I loved some of the little spots that Owens did, like um, Owens is a guy that even when he's not working in a style that I necessarily enjoy, always does something which brings me in, which I love. The little um, finger on the on the rope spot, beautiful. That was yeah. really beautiful. good. I don't know if that that's, was in, I don't know if that was an intentional callback to uh, the part of the Festival of Friendship, the creation of Kevin yes. picture. I want that on my wall. Sarah isn't keen. I think I can swing around. <laughs> No, but like, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, that that is an incredible spot. Exactly, like, that's an amazing spot. It's so great, wow. and it just felt out of place with how pedestrian much of the other parts of the match felt to me. Yeah, I mean, I felt that like Owens and Jericho seem like those sort of people. They they would have planned this out for like six months mm-hmm. when they knew that this was happening. Ever mm-hmm. you know, when they found out it was going to be WrestleMania, they probably been working on this match for months. Yeah, I think so. I, and it didn't feel like it. Yeah. 
It just felt like a raw, yeah. a raw match. Yeah. Uh, that, 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 that. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, like it's um, it was a, it was a, it was a good raw match. I think yeah. it was, if I was doing star ratings, like solid three and a half. But like that's that's all it was, and because and that that's the thing. WWE um, and you know when they tell very good stories, very often the match doesn't have the heat that goes with it maybe because they don't like this sort of really violent intensity yeah and it will also certainly not out of all but a few select members of the roster i mean the, the example i keep going back to is uh triple h versus autumn wrestlemania 25 oh, you know God, yeah. there was a home hell. invasion and then and then they had a collar and elbow tie you know yeah. um yeah i i do i do get your um what I will say about the match, and like I don't really think there's much to talk about. We've gone on about the build because the build was so much fucking better, and there's more to get your teeth into. The match was not much though. I I really liked the um, I really liked the finish. I it was just um, very often you see people uh, get uh, you know fucking finishes done on them on the outside, and but it ain't the finish because they need to get them back in the ring and do a load of other shit. Whereas um, this, it was just. Okay, we've established the open power bomb is death. He does the open power bomb, rolls him back inside, and wins. It reminds me of that famous. You posted it on the group today, actually. The uh, Kent Kabashi Stan Hansen match. Yeah, I love that match. Um, match. Where the finish is Hansen gives him a lariat off the top rope. <laughs> now the thing is, Hansen isn't a quick guy, and he has to like fucking you know get his bearings, go over to Kabashi. It takes like you know twenty thirty seconds, but it doesn't matter because Kabashi's dead. Yeah, <laughs> he is expired. Yeah. Hanson, yeah, he's like the Booker T. I could have counted to a hundred, dog. <laughs> but that's that's what I liked about the finish. Really good, and also the the idea that um, Jericho, you know, put the new guy over, which he didn't do last year with AJ Styles. That that's probably not his fault. That might well have been a uh, that was a booking decision. But you know, they had the right guy go over. It reestablishes Owens as a nasty bastard who was you know betrayed his best friend. And left him hung out to dry, and you know it can propel him back up into that that nastier character that I think we lost with his double act with Jericho as entertaining as yeah. it was. So even though the match was was good without being great, somewhat anodyne in parts, I thought that um, it actually served a wider purpose pretty well. Yeah. What, what we think? Yeah, no, I I, I think that's yeah. I mean, it, yeah, I I don't I I, re- I don't think this was a bad match, but again, it goes back to my point where I made about the cruiserweight matches that you know. They have good matches all the time. Good matches are just not, you know, you can't rely on a good match anymore. Yeah. The bar has been raised so much. Yeah. If you have a good match, it means nothing. Yeah. You need to have a really great match and have lots of stuff in it that will keep people focused because people don't care about good wrestling anymore. Exactly. Same with like, Impact. Like, you know, there's good wrestling on Impact every week, but nobody watches it because it, good wrestling is not the be-all end-all anymore. I'm glad you mentioned that, David, because this is the thing that um, me, David, George, and our friends discuss a lot in, in the Facebook group that we've got um, and, and and the website that came out of it, I guess. Like, this idea that... Um, this sounds really weird when I say this right, but hear me out. <laughs> I kind of... I'm getting to the point now when I actually don't want every wrestling match I see on TV to be great. I actually kind of want it no. to be functional, and I kind of want it to move things along to the point that we get to a pay per view, and I'm fucking hyped to see them go balls to the wall and go full out, right? Like that's—it's an odd thing to say, but like, I, I was saying this to someone else recently. Like, I almost kind of like these days, 
I prefer watching like old functional TV matches from like the 80s and that because they're very, very kind of um, laid out with a purpose and everything is not wasted. And it's not this huge be, you know, it, 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 it's the wrestling equivalent of like coming too soon, right? Like it's like it's you've, you've, hmm. you've ruined what should be a great experience for me. Eke it out of it, <laughs> like you know, like let let's try and. Yeah. I, I, I wouldn't know what you mean by that, Daniel. <laughs> no, I mean. Well, we can't we can't all be all, all, all as virile as you, but like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, I um I went to recently um uh, pro, pro wrestling eve like big big fan of their yeah, promotion, yeah, yeah. great Shout people um. And we we and um so we had those the two shows that Mako Satamura was over for in February. But what they did as well was um they had a show the next day. It was a free show in the afternoon. They advertised it at the um at the uh at the at the show was on the Saturday. They said you know we're doing a show with some trainees. It's free. Come along if you want. It's um Emmy Sakura is producing it. She because she's doing a seminar. And then she's just putting the show together. And all it was was four singles matches. And there was a couple of more established women on the show. But it was mostly people who were maybe got a year or two of training, yeah. just coming up in their career. They're figuring out the gimmicks. And it was, I really had a good time. Yeah. I'm not, there was nothing amazing on the card. But what it was, was people who, okay, maybe they're not the most developed into their careers. But what they've done, they've really thought about what it is they want to do. And they've done things that are quite basic. But what they've done is they've told a solid story, quite basic story, but they've told it well in the same way that New Japan Young Lions matches it, are so yeah. entertaining to watch because they're so logical and they're so well yeah, laid out. Yeah, yeah. And that, you know, that's the sort of thing. I do like these matches which, you know, they will, they'll, they'll tell a story and it's not necessarily like a load of big spots, but it's all logical. And because of that, it's all memorable. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. I completely agree with that. Like for me now, I'm... I will describe myself to people that like uh, uh, I've just met like uh, w- 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 and we find out we're both in wrestling as like a meat and potatoes guy. Like I know that's something that um, Pete from PWO uh, uh, on his podcast often says as well. But I agree with that. I like meat and potatoes wrestling. Um, not always. I-, I-, I want my big blow-offs to be huge and exciting and fun and have all sorts of crazy high spots in them. But week to week, I like the nuts and bolts of it. Like that's what gets me going as a wrestling fan. I don't need to see a fucking five star match on Raw because it's Raw. Oh yeah, no, I I right? predisposed. Like I I hate all matches on Raw. I cannot watch matches on Raw and rate them as good because yeah. they they mean nothing yeah. in the grand scheme of things. They will never mean anything. Yeah. So I can never get fully invested in them. Actually, there's a really good discussion. Mm. I think it's PWO, maybe DVD VR. They're talking exactly about this, about the idea that today's modern fan base wouldn't be interested in like a six hour tape of Memphis shows. Because, but the people in there would mm. rather watch them because even though yes, yeah, like four or five minute matches, you're oh. getting like squashes, you're getting character development, you're getting promos, things like that. Whereas yeah. nowadays a lot of yeah, nowadays it. a lot of people are just they kind of want to see good wrestling and like athleticism and work rate and all that, and like they don't yeah. really care about everything else. Yeah, which out, outside of the the bells, yeah, and, and, which I disagree with. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree with you, David. And speaking as a guy who adores <laughs> 80s Memphis wrestling for the exact reasons that you've just mentioned, again, I understand that I'm not the sort of like standard modern day fan and like maybe my tastes are different to what other people want. But yeah, like I, I like that. Like I like the week-to-week development. I like the, um, the building up to something. And I felt that this blew its load 
before it got to mm. the this match. Um, and I guess that's the the last thing I'll, I'll say. Yeah, like. I mean, I like, I like, yeah, I like mad flippy shit. But like I say, I, I also like, I like wrestling of all kinds. And I think it's, it's, it's for the context. You know, you, you go to a PWG show, pissed out of your yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just want to see a load of mad shit. Yeah. You go to, but you've got a match on the end of a really heated feud. You don't just want some very well performed, but ultimately, you know, not very psychological stuff. Yeah. And I think that's really what we got here. Um, a match I thought was more logically built um, was the uh, the next match on the card, which was uh, for the uh, Raw Women's title, uh, the Fatal 4-Way Elimination match. Bailey defending the title against Charlotte Flair. She has her last name now. She's graduated. Um, <laughs> Sasha Banks and Nia Jax. So basically... His the the upshot of this match was it basically went in. This is why I thought it was well laid out. Now the thing is, I think it would have worked better as a one four match, and right. I would say the same for um the the three way tag match or takeover. Well, yeah, this was the point I was going to make. The problem I have with this match is that we saw that amazing takeover match featuring Albania's greatest import, Gazim Salmani, <laughs> and the offers of pain. That was a fucking brilliant match. Like, a really, really, really good match. But they did the exact same thing here, and I love Naya, and, like, and I really love when matches do that. It's just the fact that it happened, like, literally, what, 18 hours after that other match. It, it kind of yeah. spoiled it for me. I did enjoy this match. I mean, because the, the build to this was an absolute fucking disaster because it writes itself, right? They had all the pieces there to make a fantastic build. They had Charlotte's winning streak. They had Bailey yeah. winning her first title at WrestleMania. They had the unstoppable monster, Nia Jax. And then what happened? They, they Bailey beat Charlotte, broke the streak in fast lane. She got her first title on Raw before then. So you've lost the impact of the streak being broken, you've lost the impact of Bailey's first time, and as well as that, Nia Jax could beat it fast lane. So you've lost the the sort of unbeatable order of Nia Jax. I felt that you had all these amazing elements that you could have put into this match, and they fucked it at fast lane. They totally broke it, and it totally took me out of the match. Yeah, like they had... So now what you've got is teasing a heel turn by Sasha that didn't happen. You had Bailey going in as champion rather than chasing and you have you know Nia Jax has taken a bunch of pins on and you know tapped out so she's not got the aura that she had before so yeah the, the build was ass backwards I thought the match was I thought the eliminations did work well yeah. it was in you know there were three main stages so basically uh stage one to the match was Nia Jax is hard as fuck and he's just steamrolling over everyone and oh. I, I really enjoyed this match I mean it comes up quite a lot on this podcast, but Nia Jax destroying people much smaller than her, which is damn near everyone, is fucking amazing. Uh, it really and is. It... There were spots where she was just doing the fucking Vader attack, just running into like all three women and just absolutely totaling them. I think that I think she's been pinned far too often yeah. on uh, free TV, yeah. but um, I think that they did a very good job still making her out to be, you know, to be a monster because it took all three women teaming up on her with the shield triple power bomb, which is one of the most protected <laughs> like super finishes that there's ever I been in modern WWE. And then actually doing the fucking new Japan, new Japan pre-show rumble, uh, pile on. Yeah. Um, pin uh, where where i was waiting for cheeseburgers music to hit and i was just like yes <laughs> when yeah new japan battle Wars, where if you lose your feet you're fucked if you if you lie down at any point you're gone like 
nine people in black trunks are going to fucking dogpile you. Hey, that sounds like a good night in to me, to be honest. <laughs> and you pronounced it wrong. It's the Rambo. The New Japan Rambo. The, the New Japan Rambo. <laughs> oh, my God. All caps. So that was the, that was the first thing. Naya kept strong. Good. Yeah. She's six foot tall and 270 pounds. You know, she should be kept strong. It took three women to pin her. Good stuff. Da- Daniel. Yeah, yeah. I, I was just going to jump in because... um. We're talking about how Naya's been... Well, uh, you just said that Naya's been kept strong. I, um... I'm really conflicted when it comes to Naya Jax because I think that she has the potential to be a really good worker. Because um, as we've often said on this show, work isn't just about fucking big flips and fucking, you know, uh, uh, <laughs> and, and doing as... Uh, and cramming as much in as possible. There is a space for these great, great big heavyweight wrestlers that we love. Um... I do yeah. worry a little bit that um, maybe this is like a controversial opinion, but I kind of find Naya a little bit difficult to take fully seriously as this monster heel. Um, and I think this is something which um, hopefully I think in, in, in the future we're going to have, when, when we talk about um, Joshi, we're going to have um, George's yeah. uh, uh, partner, Sarah, on, um, um, who will maybe be, be able to bring more to this because, like, you know, this is three blokes talking about women, which is never necessarily the most predictive thing. Um, but I kind of feel like Naya is... Uh, when I see her wrestle, I don't get the same thing that I do when I see Adja Kong wrestle or that I do when I see Vader wrestle. No. And of course I don't because she's not there yet. She's not at that level. They're two of the greatest wrestlers that ever lived. But there's something about... I, I don't believe that she's this awful person. And I think the reason I mentioned Sarah before, George, is because she wrote a great article on I maintain the book on Um, in which she spoke about how <laughs> she thinks that... In which she talks about how Naya needs to turn face. Um, I don't know where I stand on that yet. I'm not sure if I want her to work more at this heel thing and try and just come across as more of a badass. Or maybe if she is just like... For example, in um, the Facebook group today, uh, I think it was you, maybe George, uh, or maybe David. You posted this um, uh, this this wonderful thing from Nia oh, Jax's. Yeah, David. Yeah, you posted this wonderful thing from Nia Jax's Instagram, where Nia is. She took. She takes this photo of herself, um, where she's like, um, basically just in like her her pants and, and a bra, I guess. Um, but the whole point. Is that bathing suit? I think she was. Bathing suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the whole... It's an 80s AJW baby. Yeah, def- yeah, she looks like Linus Asker or some shit. Yeah, like a heavyweight Linus Asker. Um, but the whole thing was was like this really beautiful, wonderful, empowering message about like you know um, about people being comfortable in their own skin. Um, and this is something which is like a lot of people I'll see online. They'll say, "Oh, Maya Jax, she's kind of hot for a, a big woman." And like, I hate that shit, right? Because like as we just mentioned before. People are beautiful, no matter what the fucking size they are, right? If you if you if you fancy someone, if you love yeah. them, if, you, if they appeal to you on a on a on a visual like sexual level, or whatever, who gives a fuck about size, right? Only like weirdos and people with like fucking problems, right? Okay, like so. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I've got problems, but like you know, you know what I mean, like so. Yeah, I was, I was about yeah, to yeah, say, yeah, yeah. But, but you know, she's this wonderful, empowering amazing woman outside of um what she does in the ring and that again going back to the shame at man thing that can be difficult for me yeah and i don't want to get all wade keller about this but like i do have kind of a problem with like wrestlers um who are heels having these social media accounts in which they 
display the fact that they're really great people. Like, I don't want to know that. Like, uh, I want you to be a horrible person. Like, um, so I do have this kind of disjunct with Naya that I struggle to get over. And I don't know if yeah. that's a thing that's just me or that other people share. It's a Stuart Lee conundrum. <laughs> have you ever, uh, I, I want to see Stuart Lee. And you, you, if anybody who listens to this knows Stuart Lee's know um, comedy routine, he hates his yeah, audience. Yeah, I've seen him four times, mate. Yeah, he hates his audience and will routinely like, mock them yeah. and call them stupid for buying tickets and say that he hates them, he doesn't want to be successful, stop buying tickets and stuff like that. <laughs> and it's very misanthropic and he hates them all. And I went to see him and then afterwards he was signing DVDs yeah. and I went and met him. And he sat and chatted to me for like 10 minutes. Yeah. And he was like, the loveliest man ever. I'm oh, like, yeah. Yeah. You just exposed the business. Like, yeah. <laughs> surely he's actually really quite nice. Yeah, like, he's meant to be a what, really what? nice guy. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, everything I've heard is like, yeah, he's... He, he, he was the loveliest man ever, and he had this great conversation with me. So, in fact, he'd never met me in his life. But yeah. he just... And I was, like, ruined. Yeah. <laughs> like... It, destro- it destroys the, the, the vision that you have of these people, right? Like, um, you know... It's I, just as well he doesn't have a Twitter. Yeah, well, but, but this is the thing. I'm not saying that... Um, it's 2017. Wrestlers are going to have Twitter and they're going to have social media, right? Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there should be some separation. Like, I feel like maybe Naya should have like a look. Actually, no, fuck that. I'm not going to tell a woman what to do. That's bullshit. But like, you, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 weird. Like Braun Strowman. Braun Strowman has a personal account. Yeah. A personal Twitter, and his name is like name like Adam and that, and yeah, he says yeah, specifically. Yeah. This is Adam Shares Twitter account. I do, I do, I do redneck things with my redneck friends. Is what it says on it. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's like, this is not the character Braun Strowman. Yeah. Everyone's like, fuck you. But then again, I feel that if you're a really famous person and you have Facebook, I must be a fucking nightmare because yeah. if you want to have like a, an account, do you want to see your school friends or like people you know? Yeah. You can't do that on your Facebook nah. because everyone, all you, all these weirdos just try to add you all the time. <laughs> And yeah, like like Richard Herring has a personal account. Yeah. And yeah. um, like he, he must be really hard for him because there must be so many people that try to add him. Go, All right, Rich, how you doing? Like you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, so it's I met so you after weird. The, I, met, I met you after the show in Yeovil. Remember? No. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't. no. Oh well, Stuart Lee wasn't like that. <laughs> the, the, the um, I think the yeah, I think the the I think the issues with like uh, Nia Jax's. Is... I guess presentation would be the best way. Yeah. Is there's a few things. I think firstly she needs do me a theme music. Yes, legit. She needs some real fucking sludge metal yes. thing where it's like the fear of the fear is God of God is is upon yeah, us. But George, like, not like most get, I I'm well aware, David. <laughs> it's been it's been put to me on several occasions. Um, I think the other thing is um, yeah, like you say on Twitter. She, she, I think Naya is a, a fundamentally really nice person. Yeah, absolutely. And I think certainly it came across in her, in her like her early squash matches at NXT. She because she'd literally like and like I'm not saying this is a criticism because she'd literally been wrestling like a month or two. Like she seemed very tentative, as though like she didn't want to hurt anyone because like she is a nice person, as we've said. And so she really wasn't laying in her stuff because I think a, she didn't want to hurt anyone. And B, uh, she perhaps was aware that she was a lot bigger and stronger than 
the other people and she's actually quite a lot bigger than she was when she was modeling or she was playing college basketball yeah. so you know i think it was a question of like okay how do i gauge this like what how much can i lay it in like she she i don't think she was sure herself uh, she's got it together a bit more now once it's been realised, OK, this is a contact sport. But at the same time, I yeah, I do get your point that she's not quite there in terms of her mannerisms, mm. in terms of coming across, like, really scary. That's the thing, because it's, it's the difference between, like, sort of playing a part and inhabiting it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great actual that's a great analogy, actually. Yeah, it's 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 it, it reminds me very much of like um the distinction between like I'm a I'm I'm a bit of a cinema nerd as, as you guys know and, and like a lot of people that we know are but like um I find that that's a thing that I struggle with in films as well where there's um okay a bit of a rote I've used the word rote a lot but example um De Niro back in the day right like De Niro back in the day was almost like this cipher right and like he could embody. Yeah the very most primal and like kind of um, uncomfortable of human emotions through just a, a glance of his eye, a raise of his eyebrow. Nicholson is another actor who, who used to be able to do that back in the day as well. Um, and You mean drill? Yeah, 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 yeah. But like, you know, I'm not saying that I expect wrestlers to be great method actors because <laughs> that's preposterous. But the, yeah. the, Gary pointed this out to me when he was sat next to me. And Gary's fucking, I want to give a massive shout out to him again because he, when I watch wrestling with him, it's, it's, it's not as often as I would like to be able to do now, but he points out little things that I just don't pick up. And I love that when I watch wrestling with someone. And he said, have you noticed when Nia Jax comes out, she does this weird thing where she kind of glances towards the fans and the camera. I mean, people on the, that are listening to this can't see this, but she kind of glances either way like that. And he said, I don't think she needs to do that. Because that's almost like an acknowledgement that she has some form of like connection and solidarity with the fans. I know it seems like a small thing, but it really does make a big difference. No, I, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, I get your point, and it, it also implies that she's sort of looking, she's sort of, uh, she's wary of of, of threats. Yeah, yeah, really. yeah exactly. You yeah, know, it, yeah, it also implies that you know if if she was someone who was completely sure of herself in like in terms of the character. Um, you know, if if the character is that she is like she's very sure she is, you know, the biggest and the strongest, and she's going to win. Why is she looking about herself yeah. like shiftily? You know Bill, what I mean. Bill Nakano would never look left and right. Oh no chance, no chance. Oh. The only thing she'd be focusing on is the big fucking kendo stick in her hand. <laughs> yeah, oh, and like the 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 tender, vulnerable scalp of the person she's uh, about to about to make. Or the enormous golf club in her hand as she I don't know what's a golf term wedges something. Something else. <laughs> drives, drives. That, obviously, you're not a golfer. No, no, no. As I said, MMA, um, boxing, football, everything else. No idea. <laughs> like, clearly, not watched many Barry Darso matches. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Mr. But, Holland um, one. <laughs> well, that, well, that's where you're wrong. <laughs> I, I, so, I, I'd um, like to say I fucking loved Mr. Holland one. It was amazing. It was my favorite Barry Darso uh, gimmick. But um, yeah, so uh, I think after this first segment, it got a bit less interesting for me. Um, so the second segment of the match really was um, culminating in uh, Sasha getting her head bonked on. The turnbuckle didn't, the pad didn't quite come off all the way, which was a bit unfortunate because it made it like she sort of jobbed to getting her head like gone onto some foam, which um, <laughs> wasn't really the case. But yeah, Sasha got her head bonked on the uh, turnbuckle and got 
pinned, yeah. and then in you know the the finish was that um, Charlotte got uh, hoisted by her own petard. Um, I'm not using the phrase turnabout is fair play because it doesn't even fucking scan. Like get it together, Yanks. But um, and then you know she got hoisted by her own petard, hit her head on the turnbuckle pad she had got, which is a classic classic Toriano move, yeah. and then <laughs> pinned with the macho elbow. So I thought all three eliminations were good and played into uh, played into the the storytelling of the you know the self-contained storytelling of the match. Let alone you no, know, never mind the shitty build. Yeah. Um, however, I didn't think the work was as intense or as well received by the crowd. Uh, and as it was um, the previous year at WrestleMania when they did the three-way. Well, I mean, Bailey won with the the, the macho elbow to kind of give a nod to Savage Steamboat because it was 30 years I since that. that shit. How Fucking hell, I, I didn't even pick up on that. I just thought I've she liked using the elbow drop. Like, imagine if this is Bailey's first win, Bailey's first title win at WrestleMania. She she's a big fan. She's allowed to do it. She she's living her dream, doing doing the Savage Steamboat elbow. To win the yeah. title, but no, nah, she's already a champion. Nobody gave a fuck. I what I would have liked is um what say what I would have liked is um uh Dana, Dana Brooke um coming coming out um to uh to try and give uh, give Charlotte the ring bell and then maybe Sasha Banks comes up and yanks it off her and uh, for some reason Sasha Banks is like massive and all hairy. <laughs> yeah. But like, That's got a bit deviant art, hasn't well, it? Well, I, I'm I'm always in favour of that. But like um, the, the the last thing I'll say I'll, I'll say about this match is that you bring up a good point, David, because the the elephant in the room that we've not talked about here yet is the fact that they fucking blew this match on Raw, right? And don't get me wrong, that was a good match. I really enjoyed it. I was really emotionally involved. But why the fuck do you blow that match on Raw and not have it built up to WrestleMania? I do not understand that. Like, I don't know if you guys can think of a justification for that, but, like, Bailey winning at Mania is basically the culmination of a year-long story, right? Like, it makes no sense to me to just bust it off on Raw, but, like, I don't know what you guys think, but, yeah, that was weird to me. Okay, here's the justification. Like, now, I, I've 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 read, like, a decent amount of... Um, uh, Spinoza and stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, Wittgenstein. I know, I know my, I know my philosophical logic. Now, here's what I, starting from first precepts and working your <laughs> way forward. So, the first precept is Raw's only got half a dozen fucking women on it. This is the exact way. Um, you know, as Wittgenstein might have said, the world is all that the roster is. You know, you can't have. You can't have a fucking varied number of matches each week when you've got three hours to fill and you're pushing women's wrestling or something. You can't do that with, like, six women, only four of whom you seem willing to use in any capacity because um, Alicia Fox is busy getting her name mispronounced by the world's most Scottish man. And Dana Brooke, now, I'm sure she, she was very good at bodybuilding, but sadly she's not much cop as a wrestler. So that's the problem. Kagito ergo sum. The booking's fucking shit. <laughs> Did Wittgenstein also mention the fact that their ratings are in the toilet and they'll do anything just to get a fucking match that people want to watch? Guys, guys, I'm, I'm dying here. I'm actually dying. <laughs> right, okay. So this is why I love podcasting with, like, George and David because we can one minute be talking about, like, Nia Jax's Instagram... 
and the next minute someone drops a reference to fucking Wittgenstein and Spinoza. Like, straight up, I know fuck all about Wittgenstein and Spinoza. I'm a historian academically, so like that kind of vaguely comes in, but oh my goodness, that's such complicated stuff. But yes, that's absolutely hilarious. But you're right, I think, in, in the sense that <laughs> what is well, I've no idea. I don't actually understand Spinoza or Wittgenstein, so, <laughs> so I'm totally fucking riffing on this. What I do understand is the Derek Jarman film of Wittgenstein, which is fucking dope. But like, that's a, that, that's another obsession. Um, yeah. So, but that you're right. There is a tier of this stuff, right? There's a there's a uh, uh, there's a two or three sort of like sections that need to be got to before we get a culmination. Um, and yeah, to me, this just didn't really have it although i will say i like the work in the match i like all women in this match i think they're all really good workers yes. um and i don't think this was on them uh that i felt a bit kind of i don't know not deflated but like um let down by the fin by, 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 by barely winning because like you know look uh, let, let, let's be honest about this WWE, despite all this fucking four horsewomen, like, we are now um, aping Ronda Rousey and being, like, you know, feminist fucking um, uh, uh, sports people bullshit. I don't care what anyone says. I'm sure there is still a kind of undercurrent of not, like, full-blown misogyny or sexism, but a kind of um, inability to understand how you present women's matches. Um, which which mm. is which is that it should be fucking difficult. You present them like the men's matches, but like you know what I mean. <laughs> well, I would say that I personally don't like the women's matches. I really, I really don't. They mean nothing to me. Like I like the ones on Raw and all the vaunted ones. I watch them again. This is to do with my prejudice against Raw, and I can never rate matches on Raw because they don't mean anything to me. And the fact they've passed this belt about so much. When I see these matches, I can't get into them. I just, like, you know, you know the belt's just going to pass about, you know. I, I don't really care. Nothing means anything now. And, again, this comes back to the matches are good. I, I don't particularly care about their characters anymore. I don't yeah. particularly care about the matches because we're all good matches these days. There's nothing that I see from the women's matches that kind of makes it stand out from the men's matches, which in a way is great, and that, yeah, you treat them the same way as the men's matches, but the problem is that they're exactly the same. I don't, you know, they, they, they're they not really that different from the men's matches, so I, I don't really care about them that much. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, this match, I enjoyed it, and I, spe- I really like Nia Jax, and I like Nia Jax's matches just because she brings something different to it, because there's yeah. nobody like her, apart from maybe Strowman on the the roster. But she's not like most girls. She's not like most girls, exactly. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I never want to see Charlotte, Sasha, or Bailey again. They've, they've totally ruined them for me. I, I don't want to see them again. I don't care. I, I prefer the SmackDown one far, by far. SmackDown matches, they were great. Remember, it's Elimination Chamber. They, oh, those three well, matches are the best matches in the show for me. We'll, 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 we'll come to SmackDown and Naomi and, and that. <laughs> Later on, because yeah, I've got yeah, a lot, and so. I feel like that's like I don't I don't watch it week from week, but when I watch the pay per views and those matches are on, I generally really enjoy them. Yeah, but I don't enjoy the raw matches at all because they're all just the same. I, there's nothing special to them anymore for me. Yeah, yeah, that that that's you know that that's the long and short of it. That's that's the division. They've done every single combination that they possibly yeah. could. They've done them all in a four way. They've done them all in a four way elimination match. Um, what's left? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what's left. Three hours of programming every fucking Monday night. <laughs> right. Okay. I think that um, 
I think that about does it for part one because we've all got homes to go to. So, um, yeah, I have been uh, George Thompson, uh, Daniel and uh, and David, my compadres. Um, and we will reconvene at a time of your convenience for uh, part two of our Mania Rundown. So uh, this has been the Pura Puri Podcast. Um, you can find us on uh, Twitter at Pura Podcast. Still have got no fucking idea how we managed to claim that. Um, you can find us on Facebook, the Pura Puri Podcast. We occasionally post there. Um, and we are on SoundCloud. Again, you search for the Pura Puri Podcast. You'll find all of our great content. And um, we're on the uh, the Pro Wrestling Only Place to Be Nation feed when our episodes come out. You can also uh, find them on there. Yeah, legit. Um, and as well as that, um, the, um, the website, which we kind of run separately to this, because this is mainly a Japanese wrestling podcast that we're taking a detour from. Uh, but you can also find lots of, um, well, I think, um, great writing um, on iemaintainedoublecastingdisleague.com. If you like stuff about Robot Wars, like, <laughs> that is your fucking place. Yeah. So, um, as as uh, Craig as uh, Craig Charles, former Robot Wars host, may say, sayonara. <laughs> not, n- not I'm about to honk on my cheeky truck fight. This is Monday Night Raw. We are live tonight. Bailey with another opportunity at the women's title. Oh, hold on. Perhaps this book will be understood only by someone who has himself already had the thoughts that are expressed in it. Or at least similar thoughts. So it is not a textbook. Its purpose would be achieved if it gave pleasure to one person who read and understood it. The book deals with the problems of philosophy, and shows, I believe, that the reason why these problems are posed is that the logic of our language is misunderstood. The whole sense of the book might be summed up the following words. What can be said at all can be said clearly, and what we cannot talk about we must pass over in silence. Thus the aim of the book is to draw a limit to thought, or rather, not to thought, but to the expression of thoughts, for in order to be able to draw a limit to thought, we should have to find both sides of the limit thinkable, that is, we should have to be able to think what cannot be thought. It will therefore only be in language that the limit can be drawn, and what lies on the other side of the limit will simply be nonsense. I do not wish to judge how far my efforts coincide with those of other philosophers. Indeed, what I have written here makes no claim to novelty in detail, and the reason why I give no sources is that it is a matter of indifference to me whether the thoughts that I have heard have been anticipated by someone else. I will only mention that I am indebted to Frege's great works and to the writings of my friend Mr. Bertrand Russell for much of the stimulation of my thoughts. If this work has any value, it consists in two things, the first is that thoughts are expressed in it, and on this score the better the thoughts are expressed, the more the nail has been hit on the head, the greater will be its value. Here I am conscious of having fallen a long way short of what is possible, simply because my powers are too slight for the accomplishment of the task. May others come and do it better. On the other hand the truth of the thoughts that I hear communicated seems to me unassailable and definitive. 
I therefore believe myself to have found on all essential points, the final solution of the problems. And if I am not mistaken in this belief, then the second thing in which the of this work consists is, that it shows how little is achieved when these problems are solved. So the last thing I'll say before I go, because I've got to go, but there was um, at gigs and stuff, like in the uh, well, early to mid-2000s in Glasgow, there was this like uh, comic artist that used to like hawk his book that was called Khaki Shorts. And it had some really funny stuff in it, actually. It was kind of like Viz, but like um, for like mid-2000s Glasgow. Um, and uh, what was I talking about that again? Reasons, anyway. Right, I'm, I'm drunk, I need to go. Right, okay. <laughs> Craig Charles, is, it was, it was Craig, Ch it was, that's it, sorry. There was a strip called Craig Charles and his cheeky little crack pipe. And it was just, and it was just after Craig Charles had been like exposed by a tabloid for getting into the back of a taxi in Manchester after the film of Coronation Street and asked the taxi driver to, this is a quote, take me anywhere that has crack, alcohol or porn. Which to be honest is like, you know, I'm not really into crack, but like, I like other drugs and that's like the trifecta for me, but that's, yeah, I'll, I'll date you. <laughs>